This is exciting. I'm glad to be here. First of it all, is? yeah, I think so. All Am right. I your first guest? Cool, cool. No, you're my second oh, guest. This is bullshit. I don't even want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, internet, and welcome to another episode of the Goddamn Milkman Immediated Podcast. This time, I have a sterling guest with us: the man, the myth, the legend. The man behind the comic canon revival, my favorite comics podcast that I've listened to recently. Hey, I'm Jared McCorkle uh, of, uh, I guess, what you're referring to, which is the comic canon revival. It's a podcast that I do with uh, revolving cast of people. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You you, you became a kind of like um, a listener and a... I mean, I hope it's not arrogant to be like you, kind of a fan or whatever. Um, the only one, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I hate listen every episode. Yeah, yeah, no, I yeah, no fan, totally. <laughs> um, that's me. Yeah, and I, I've uh, pinged you about episodes that at that point you recorded like years ago, and I'm like, I have notes. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck but did it, I say it feels three like years that, ago? Though. It feels like it just happened. I know that's sort of weird, but like. You know, it, when we recorded those podcasts, half of the things I said were shit that's just been rolling around my head for like 15 years anyway. So I think part of that was explains our report because you would message me and sometimes you would be like that thing you said and I wouldn't know what you were talking about. But sometimes you would refer specifically <laughs> to an opinion and be like, oh, yeah, and that's and the thing is this like I. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, your your hatred of Marvels, which still oh, befuddles and beguiles. Yeah, I, we maybe we should say that to the end because, like, I don't, I don't know. I here, let me say this. I'm, I know it's your show, but I just say, and not about Marvels. No, and here's my yeah, yeah. second guest, Kurt Busiek. Come <laughs> oh, on. I would love to talk to that motherfucker. <laughs> that lying sack of shit. No, 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 I'm just playing. I'm just. He's fine. He's whatever. <laughs> he's fine. But um, no, I, the thing is, is that I actually my approach on our show, right? As far as Talking about comic stuff. What mm -hmm. I would sort of tell the other guests, because I like to badger them into doing what I want them to do. But when I would tell the other guests or, or the even like my other co-host was like, no one gives a shit about what we like. No, nobody knows us. Okay. So nobody cares if we like a thing or not. Because I think a lot of people approach like a, a property like that they're going to talk about in a podcast, like a comic book, like as you know, like the point is just to get to the conclusion of this was good or this was bad. And usually, I think Marvel's was ironically the only episode where I was just like, look, I can't stop saying <laughs> I don't like it. But ultimately, like what I, I think the point is analysis, right? It's like to talk about it in such a way that you and the people you're talking to kind of, you know, open it up or help, you know, help each other understand it or appreciate it or something like that. Yeah, yeah. What uh, literary criticism was born of right. wasn't to be a critic, but through criticism to understand and deepen the work and maybe find more in the work than is present just on the page, as it were. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have like, because you're, you're very well read, um, certainly better than I when it comes to stuff outside okay. of comics, especially. I'll take that. Thank you. And, uh, yeah, and I mean, it's certainly better than most. Um, and I, I assume, like, did you have, like, a literary education or just a general? My background's in philosophy. Or... Um, but I had... One of those fuckers. Yeah, okay. yeah. Well, it's okay. So <laughs> <laughs> academic philosophy kind of comes in two brands, and they're both equally annoying. Um, 
Um, yeah. No, to everybody outside, right. it's one flavor right. and it's douche. But it's, very, but it's very different for us. <laughs> and I think we're in disguise a little bit. No, I got it. I got it. I got you a little joke. No, but like, <laughs> I'm just, I got to give you a little Thank shit. You. No, fair, fair, totally fair. So there's the, um, I think maybe we're all a little this way. But anyway, there, it's kind of broken up between analytic philosophy. And this is Western philosophy, by the way. Um, analytic philosophy, which is dominated in like the US and Britain. And then what they call continental philosophy, because it's sort of like, um, you know, the continent of Europe, like, you know, Germany, uh, Italy, France, sort of main sort of thing. And Greece, to some degree, that's ancient. But anyway, here's the point, which is that the kind of like hyper logical sort of reply guy philosophy is all about like arguing with people and and, uh, you know, rational discourse and and in limited sort of logical claims that you can refute. That's sort of analytical philosophy. And I have a lot of respect for it. I just didn't get really raised that way. Right. So you can whereas okay. continental philosophy has a little has a tendency to be like more open ended and broad and impressionistic and um and you can sort of this is very a very rough description but you can kind of think of it like you know um analytics all kind of want to be scientists or related to the sciences and and continental philosophers have a tendency to think of it more of like as a humanist artistic expression kind of thing again that's massively simplifying things but the point is is that like well, sure. my, my being interested in literature and literary analysis and cultural analysis and stuff is is pretty close to the philosophy and the stuff that i was interested in at the academic level well i mean once you're in a liberal arts college and you're right. on one side of it you're reading stuff you're going through it like uh i mean i got a english degree because yeah. i hate my dad <laughs> i guess i don't know yeah. um and he hates you too and <laughs> yeah um well that fucker was supportive that's why i never became a good artist uh yeah yeah um we did um a, a lot of weird bs english classes looking back and i mean they want to do it by author and stuff which when you break it down makes even less sense like oh yeah let's learn chaucer he didn't write in you know, english right. as we understand it. it why yeah, so you have to read a translated edition or like they want you to take Shakespeare or some of that. And it's like, what great literature? I'm like, no, it's a play. Why would you? Right. What are you doing? It's like saying like, yeah, we should read Tarantino. <laughs> like that doesn't. Yeah, that's funny. Quite follow. Um, I mean, there's the poems, but no one gives a fuck. Nobody cares so. about his sonnets or whatever. I don't know. You know, I mean, the yeah. thing is, is that so you studied literature in an academic sense and you probably feel like you had kind of a uh, like it's restrictive or or you have all of the, the opinions that come out of like frustration, good and bad from being in that discipline. And the funny thing is, like, I thought about that. I thought about philosophy that way. I loved it, but it was also like mm-hmm. all the things that annoyed me, all the shitty trends and stuff that felt like navel gazing and stuff like that. But then when I read like literature, like English literature or something like that, I don't really have fancy taste when it comes to that stuff, but I felt tremendous freedom about it. Like, you know, I was just like, Oh, I get to just read for fun. And it doesn't matter like what the architecture yeah. of the argument is. And I just get to kind of like enjoy myself. And yeah. So I, a lot of it was like way more leisurely, I think than you probably had a little bit more intensity to do it as an english major well um that's where some of the comic stuff came in at the time because i mean i did have to read whatever or pretend like i read it half the time because they wanted me reading eight books at the same time and couldn't. right um 
but uh i'd read comics for fun and i didn't have to uh do that with them but i mean once you kind of flip that switch it just mm-hmm. kind of goes anyways um but to that end like i've come back and more recently i've been trying to go back and read different things or explore explore the classics across different mediums and whatnot sure. with mixed results i guess um, I, I got some interesting replies to my uh, Citizen Kane episode where I talk about, like, I get it, it's a good movie, but uh, I think we need to calm down with the greatest movie ever or whatever. Right. Like, well, we've surpassed. Why do you think that? Like, not about Citizen Kane, but this is a this is a point to, to ask about, which is that, like, um, the idea of, like, the thing is overrated, and now let's bring it back to a more accurate appraisal or something like that like uh, my feeling is that like something is going to be that like okay. something's going to be overrated something's going to be the whatever right yeah. and so it's like i almost feel like if you brought citizen kane back to this level where people understood like it's actually a, it's not so it's not what you thought it was you know that kind of thing then i just feel like something yeah. else like i don't know uh What's the, oh, yeah. the next in line apparently is uh Paddington 2. Yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I heard that was really good actually. Yeah. <laughs> so you yeah. hear. Um I I know I normally agree with you in that sort of appraisal or not, but there's a few works that are put on such a pedestal and they tend to be like exemplars of their medium that I do want to take more issue with. Right. So that's one or Watchmen in comics or video games don't really have one yet. Um, I love I love Watchmen so, so much. I love it so much. But but I get the the thing that you're going for, because like, I think you're right that it doesn't help the viewing experience like or with uh, with uh, what do you call it? Like comic books, the reading experience, because I watched um, Citizen Kane and I was disappointed I, did, I thought it was great, but I was mm-hmm. disappointed. And that has to be in relation to the fact that I was told it was the greatest film ever. Chinatown was another right. movie that I, again, thought it was good. I think I kind of understood what people love about it. But, you know, it was just so built up for me. And the, I think that built up. I So I do concede. Like, I do think it actually made Chinatown worse for me than it would have been. For me, it's less the individual work. It's more like, especially with Watchmen, mm-hmm. this idea like, could this comic be as good as Watchmen or whatever? Like it's the, it's the top bar or something. I'm like, why is no one trying to make a comic better than Watchmen? (laughs) You know, like, because in my mind, it's more about the fact that like art can be so many different things and different things to different people. Sure. But also like, there's this set expectation of craft and art. And I see so much potential with so many comics. And I think there's a lot of things that have been done outside of Watchmen that if you're able to commingle a fair amount of it, you could actually make a work that is ultimately stronger. And if nothing else, I think ultimately like Watchmen is a work of cynicism. And whereas there's ways to do that in great ways, I ultimately think works of optimism that sing well are stronger in the end. Okay. Partially because it's harder to pull off, but yeah, I could say okay. That last part actually saves it for me a little bit technically because I was going to say like I yeah that feels very subjective in in terms of like 
you know, because I have a tendency to be a little pessimistic as a person or whatever. Um, but but I think you're you're yeah. right that that do because optimism, especially in a cynical age, is kind of harder to sell in a way. If you do it and you you're really successful mm-hmm. at it, there probably is this extra hurdle. Um, I was I was going to say about Watchmen, away from just like what merits I think it has or whatever. I think there is something about your the experience people have with it, um, and and it might be located in a specific period of time, right? That it might be over a bit. Um, because, you know, there was a period of time where unless you were kind of at, at the right age, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, like in your mid twenties and kind of counterculture in the late eighties, early nineties, the idea of prestige comics was just not, I, I mean, at that point I had been reading comics for like, since I was eight and I, you know, I, every comic I read was, you know, um, Marvel superheroes and I love that stuff deeply but then Mm -hmm. the other thing that started happening was that I started like a lot of people also started reading you know novels that were kind of you know American or British classics or whatever yeah I mean nothing that advanced at the time but like you know Catcher in the Rye and uh, Slaughterhouse Five was another one that I that really caught me or whatever. Um, and I think when you're reading those two things adjacently, and you're like you know 18 or 19 or whatever, you know you start seeing a massive literary difference. You're like, look, I love hmm. my Spider Man, but look, Catcher in the Rye is just a deeper, better. I'm a great apologist for that book, by the way. But anyway, let's assume you know, whatever really great you know novel that really touched you. Why do you have to be an apologist for Catcher oh, so in the many. Rye? It's, it's a, the like, oh my. I mean, I appreciate your sentiment, but like so many people fucking hate that book, and I have my own ideas about why, and I I think it's you know overly criticized. But oh, I'd have to hear the detractor yeah. side to even understand. Well, I guess. So. But the point is that you you feel this big. Uh, sort of like deficit in in the quality of the writing specifically in comic books and then i think when are you saying stanley is no kurt i am saying that precisely and i'm saying i don't even really like wow uh spicy (laughs) take um i mean he's like he's a complicated figure and i definitely appreciate him historically and i even appreciate parts of his writing but anyway but my point is that when you read Watchmen, right not necessarily you but like i mean me and like i I think what speaks the royal right exactly yeah what speaks to its significance is that it was like reading vonnegut level writing you know in a comic book format and it and it was about superheroes so you know i mean you have the thing where uh you know there's graphic novels but they're that are you know like this is you know uh, why the last man or something which is great and i love it but you know it was something there's something about the watchman being superhero-y and like high level writing that i think caught a lot of people sorry i know it was a kind of a long monologue you think but no, it's all good. Um, with that, uh, that kind of get it, yeah, get it. Got to uh, part of where I wanted to go. Where? When did you start reading comics? Because yeah, um, I don't think I've ever heard you talk about that. Yeah, it's weird because it's like like comics are like my dad or like the neighborhood I grew up kind of thing. Like, um, very specifically when I, uh, I was maybe eight or nine, and. The older kids, like there, there was a big crew of kids, and I, I assume it's still like this today. But like you know, anyway, when I was young, uh, you know, there's like that had a range, and I was hanging out. I got to hang out with the older kids that were maybe like twelve or thirteen or something like that, and they were um, showing mm-hmm. me their Marvel trading cards, like the kind of I think 1991 flare trading cards. I think that I think they were flare, but 
Um, you know the ones I'm talking about where it mm-hmm. had like you know um, the, the front is a, like a really cool splash pagey kind of image of the character, and then the back it has like their stats and stats. yeah, and and yeah. their yeah. Did you know their model just like you know baseball cards? And I was transfixed. Mm-hmm. Like I just thought they were amazing, and you know it's kind of hard to put yourself in a place of it, your eight year old self or your nine year old self, but they're I think mm-hmm. was something about that. The the imagery, all every one of them told a story. You could either with the design, you could see what they were kind of about and what they did, and the idea that the all these characters lived in the same world. And I think you know I had I liked He Man or or Ninja Turtles or these various things, but this felt like way bigger to me. I remember thinking that specifically, like oh my god. And then they were like, oh, there are comics that you can get. <laughs> like, there are things you can, yeah. like, find out about them. And then I was like, and it just never stopped, really. I've had periods where I didn't really read comics as much or whatever, but I've kind of always thought about it, always been invested. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's like it was part of my development more than, like, you know, I was, you know, post-latency and then getting into a thing. It was, you know... My there's a way where it's like my being in the comics was there before I got there in in a way. Well, yeah, no. And I mean, I remember the cards being a thing. I was probably a couple steps behind you with that. Um, but I, I remember those and I remember them being really big at the time because the Internet wasn't there. And mm. for superhero related stuff really wasn't there till much Absolutely, later. Yeah. Um and so those cards were really big because, like, if you're trying to crack into X-Men in the 90s mm-hmm. and you're a kid who hasn't who doesn't know what a Claremont is, yeah. um, what does Bishop do? How does that work? You Absolutely. Know, they don't ever really explain that. And so the cards were really helpful. That's, there. A, that's a great point. That's or, a. Th- not really. Well, no, no. But I mean, you're right. But that no, but that is a great point, because there is something about that. It's very. um impenetrable for some people about comics which is that it's for a lot of people it feels like this ongoing story that they has been going on for to their knowledge you know decades and they don't know where to begin but i didn't i didn't know that i just they had the pre-explanations on the cards so i thought i was and was well equipped to just start reading the things and i'll say also you because you mentioned x-men in the 90s i love the cartoon show i love that spider-man cartoon show as well i was i guess as into the x-men as anything but because those marvel cards were a rare property that came out besides the comic books that was like this is the whole marvel universe not just like our x-men universe i got into mm-hmm. like thor and iron man and the avengers well like as i liked them more than the x-men just it just randomly appealed more to me and like it was i was i i mean i this is such an obnoxious thing to say but i was like i was into the avengers when it was the nerdiest dorkiest thing you could like or whatever oh yeah no i mean the x-men were cool and the closest thing to avengers property at that time were the cards or there was like that iron man cartoon that predated the cooler yeah there was there's some short-lived ones there was an episode of x-men like from the 
everybody says X-Men 97 now or whatever, but that X-Men, the animated series, it's like a part of the Dark Phoenix thing. And her power is so great. It's like alerting all of the people across the earth. And they show, they have a little montage, just a second. They show Doctor Strange and then they show Thor. And I fucking lost my mind. It was like, ah, that's like what the cartoon was for me or whatever. So yeah, I mean, um, and and then if you continue to love the things that now we say IPs right, but like, like if you love the characters or whatever, and and you keep you can. right, right, right. <laughs> but you keep going with it, then then you know, and as you become more literate as a person, then your your appreciation for the comics I think deepens and changes and and everything else. So, or you could grow up and drop off completely, but I wouldn't know about mm-hmm. that. No, some people do. And and yeah. I there have been like like when I was in school, there I wasn't reading much comics. I would every once in a while, but I mean I was just because I was reading it's a heavily reading discipline, so I was reading all the time. I didn't have as as much time. I've been off and on with it. When I was in the army, for instance, I didn't get to read as many comic books. I was less like sort of aware of trends and what was going on. What they don't just give it to the GIs anymore? Well, even when they did, I mean I, I buy now like what like forty comics a month. I mean, you know, or something like that or whatever. So even if they did give me one. Yeah, no, I hear you. All right. Um okay, what are you reading? Uh oh God. What's the new pile? I mean so I mean rough yeah, 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 memory. Sure. I'm not trying say, to no, like no, you don't have to list every of the I'll tell you what titles. I'm really liking and then we'll probably it'll jog my memory as I go. Like I'm reading Immortal Thor, of course I gotta start with that. And I'm loving it. I think that's sort okay. of obvious, right? Like I mean, um I don't know if you've got a- You say that, I just do not understand the appeal for Thor at yes, all. You, yes, tried. you don't. <laughs> well, I mean, look, so I think uh, before, I guess, I go into what I was reading, I, I just think it's totally arbitrary. Like, I can tell you now what it is that works about Thor comics and, like, what people like about him or the conceptual appeal. That's all stuff that, like, is po- post hoc, right? You kind of have to, it's like if it doesn't catch you, if it doesn't grab you, have you ever tried to explain why Wolverine's cool to somebody that's kind of just not into it? It's just, it's not a doable thing. <laughs> well, no, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't make that argument. Right, right. So. <laughs> well, what, whatever, whatever it is, it's like, <laughs> you know no. what I mean? Like, yeah, it's yeah. like selling somebody on a preference. And, and I'm big on this principle, by the way. I've told you before, like, um, I think that you can kind of articulate principles of why a thing is good. But there's always an element of arbitrariness to that. And just meaning like you're making a choice and preference. And I'm not saying there's no objectivity that weaves its way through these sorts of issues. But generally speaking, I really think it's, you know, we 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 something resonates with us and we try to explain to ourselves afterwards why that took place. Um, But like, so I'll give you a sense, like with Thor, I think the idea is, you know, it's like, why is Jesus popular? (laughs) Like, I mean, like, like, like. The the notion, like, I'm yes, I'm comparing him to Jesus. I think there's some different appeal there. Is, there. there is some uh, different appeal. Is my, my general outsider right. understand? There is some different appeal. But the more interesting thing to me in this case is the similarity. So, like, the idea is that Thor is the son of the earth and the sky, right? Uh, and he's like, like, in other words, the sky father, Odin, the, those guys. He's the son of Odin. Yeah, but yeah, okay. his mother yeah, is Gaia. Okay. His mother is Yord. Right, a giant that represents the Earth. Like Thor, in both the mythology and later in the comics, is specifically interested in Midgard in a way other gods aren't. It's why, like, you'd see Mjolnir as a pendant. Like, that's the one of the most uh, uh, sort of archaeologically repeated finds is the 
like Mjolnir's that like, you know, Scandinavians and like just Germanic people would have or whatever. Mm. And so, you know, his sort of like, though there is like, I guess in the mythology, there's a little bit of contra or not like mixed stuff about how associated he actually is with weather or things like that. But if you grant the idea that he's associated with lightning and thunder, the idea is that like lightning is the point at which the ground and the sky meet. And there's a kind of sense where he is this enjoining of like both transcend and all i think a lot of god hero characters are like this where they are both like human like they have human emotions and stuff like that and they also sort of transcend human sort of stuff and like i think like thor in the comics it like you know kind of slowly develops in that especially post walt simonson you know jack kirby was deeply invested in like the uh god uh, fruit of the heavens there's a specific book i can't remember what it's called but it's the idea of like space gods visiting us or whatever and he has so many like Mm. um mythological like interpretations where it's kind of a a mythological character but they have spaciness to them like stuff like that um well that was yeah he made a career out of that yeah so so he sort of creates thor i mean stanley was there let's say but but jack kirby kind of yeah oh i i'll argue that right right. down but Um, uh but but point being is that once you get back into the second big sort of Thor stuff with Walt Simonson, he really infuses the mythology into it. And that's where some of those like Thor as a, was yeah. he really the, I thought there was a lot of other people. They in absolutely were. Absolutely were. But Roy Thomas is a yeah, good example okay. of a writer in between. But the thing is, is that they're really doing just expansions of Kirby. They're taking the Kirby wow. kind of ideas and things like that. And when you read Simonson, you're getting way more of a feeling of, like it's it's more like Lord of the Rings than it is like you know space gods like new gods stuff or whatever. Okay. Um, but yeah, okay. and and you know I could go on, but I'm just saying like I think this is this is kind of the appeal, you know. Okay, that, no, that's cool. I uh, I don't know. As I've been doing some deeper dives on some older Marvel stuff, my appreciation, understanding, and whatnot of a lot of it has been going in some interesting directions and it's really funny to see some of the misconceptions especially with even newer fans now of some of the stuff and uh how that goes well here's here's something i think is interesting and i was arguing with a Thor fan about some odin shit um recently and it really doesn't matter (laughs) right but we're both oh it's very important you we have to we have to agree this is important. Otherwise, I've wasted way well, too much is, my This is kind of the thing, right? So we're talk. We're both deeply invested in this character, right? In this mythos. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking a much more like kind of like, oh, whatever you think is good and whatever I think is good kind of thing. But the, the, the point is this, which is like, um, I think that fans of a, of a character or of a franchise or whatever it is, they, they like to talk about like what's essential to that character. You know, Superman, Batman, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is when you start listening to people, especially people who know the stuff really well, that there is great diversity in like what the essence of the character is. Um, and it's we're just way better off as a collective group of fans recognizing that. Um, so, for instance, like I, I think you can be like, look, in a Green Lantern story, I need these things to like it. I need these things to like it. And if it doesn't have these, th- if he's if he's not in space. Jingoism. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Or um, I need it to be, like, Grant Morrison's 
Green Lantern to me was very alien. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah. He's very, it's very out there. He's like, it's trying to like, he's trying to constantly impress you how weird it is, how in, how familiar Hal is with like the whole universe. And he's just cool with how bizarre it is or whatever. Um, But the point being is it's just like, uh, yeah, I, I think we get into a lot of fights about like, this isn't the real, or this isn't how it really should, should be or, or whatever. And the truth is like, even like, if you talk to people about what Batman's like, depending on how old they are, we'll d- determine who, what, what Batman's supposed to be like. I, Batman's really interesting to me in that aspect. Cause at this point, I don't think he's a character at all. Right. He's barely even an archetype anymore. Sure. Yeah. Like, They've allowed too much bandwidth on what Batman can be right. to the point where I'm like, what what does it even mean well, anymore? I, I don't know that it matters. Well, but maybe they're like, so Batman's just obvious, right? And Wolverine, I think, is another obvious character. Spider-Man's definitely there. Where it's just all... Spider-Man's a little more interesting, may, I maybe, think. But, but, but yeah. No, but, uh, but I mean sort of to your point about like Wolverine is like a samurai mm. who's also a death-defying Grim Reaper fighter who's also like... Uh, was a, what else? Did, what a, a, a like a spy who fought in World War Two. Like in other words, like hmm. they, they've kind of written him so much, it isn't clear to me there is a really coherent Wolverine either. But but I think what happens is that a writer will come along and in their isolated sense or whatever will be like, I'm going to give you my Wolverine, and this is what my Wolverine's like. Um, and so hmm. I I do. Th- you can kind of take it piecemeal and enjoy it piecemeal. We may be, it may be too old, it may be too long and like, uh, was it too late in the day now to have any of these major characters be f- really tight, coherent things? But, you know, this is my suspicion. Yeah. Well, no, it, it is interesting. And I've seen a lot of that, especially with um, this titling aside um, Ultimate Spider Man coming up again, mm-hmm. the, the new one with Hickman. And people are saying, oh, well, it's this and that, and this is what Spider-Man should be. And I've read enough Spider-Man to know that people's perception of what Spider-Man is is so far, far Mm -hmm. from so many other classic interpretations of the character. Like, so many people have him as this ultimate paragon of good. And I'm like, oh, you should read the Peter David Spider-Man, because he's kind of a right. dick and that's so much better yeah yeah i i agree i don't think that i mean i didn't think peter's a good dude generally i mean like i would almost but but i agree i think there are plenty of stories where oh, he's yeah. like kind of kind of a dick or kind of like not uh not totally like uh, just generally perfect like there's a lot of stories coming from him being kind of a screw up and like across a lot of dimensions yeah, or I mean, at the very least, more of a reluctant hero. Like he'll ultimately do the right thing, but he he'll bitch the entire time yeah. about not doing what he wants to do, right. and that made a lot more sense because it's angsty. Um, I think also you're there's a yeah. thing about Spider Man. I, I say this a lot where the 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 difficulty in like this issue of aging him or whatever. Actually, just arguing with my boyfriend about this. Um, not necessarily arguing, but we were having a long sort of argument about it. I guess. Um, that plates were thrown yeah no no I, it's like it's hard to like a long discussion where we both had oppositional points of view i don't know but um but that the the, yeah. the problem was spider-man was created in a transitional period like it's a he's a coming of age character and at his essence and he's i mean both in i think the origin but also like he's a high school character and then he's a college character kind of later on and that's a tension that like 
other big IPs don't generally have to deal with, right? Um, and I think you have two choices, generally. You can try to keep them in that suspended, that animation, that picture of them moving, or you can do Nightwing, mm-hmm. where you just decide to grow them up, or in their story, or or change them into, now they are grown, now they're adult. And I, yeah, I don't think people can agree on what they should do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little weirder because people do point to Spider-Man being in high school, but he's only in high school for 30-ish right, issues. that's fair. And I mean, within 32, he was in college. Like, he was in college right as Ditko was But he leaving. was in college forever. And, there's, and, and then he was in college forever. And, and college is very, and like, they moved I'm out. still a kid. Very, like, you know, if you're getting drunk at a, yeah. a fraternity party and shit, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's still very... Feels very juvenile or whatever. Yeah, no, I, definitely. Um, but it wasn't at least high right. school, and that's a big deal for me because I fucking hate high school. What did you think about Ultimate Spider-Man um, then? Because I, it's one issue in is what no, I no, think about the, it. I'm like, the, there's some interesting stuff. I mean, uh, sorry, ben, uh, Bendis one. Yeah. The Bendis one that. Uh, overall, I like it. I think it holds up better than a lot of people seem to coming to it now. There's this growing sentiment, I think, of like mid 2000s stuff being too angsty or something sure. or being of a time. And I mean, I was in that time, so maybe that's just my nostalgia, sure. but I, I think it works pretty well. I maintain, and I've said this ever since I read it, the first six issues are the worst. Um, I think drawing out that origin that long hurts it. Interesting. Okay. Personally, I mean, the original one was 10 pages, and that that, that six issues is well over 100 right. page. Like, it's too long. It's way too right, long. Right, right. And then it immediately gets better. Um, and not just because there's the suit and the action, but I mean, like, they're playing up Ben. They're doing all this like they have to earn it or something like you don't have to earn <laughs> we it. We already know it's coming at but, all. But the reason I asked was just because it how did you, I guess, feel about like, even though it's not the sort of canon 616 character, like, how did you feel about them taking him back to high school? How did that sort of feel? Did it feel like this is kind of oh. like a huge regressive step backwards or? I mean, I, I get why they did it. I tend to prefer when they start them at least a little mm-hmm. later, but or just don't bother with the origin. Right. I I have a thing against superhero origins, and it's completely because I've seen and read them too many right. times. Like I am dreadfully worried. They just announced Jason or Aaron's doing the next Turtles book, and I'm like, please don't have him do the fucking origin story. I do not need to read that, dude. Again. He's a guy that I don't need another take he's on. He's a guy it. that lost me entirely. His writing is like. I really feel bad about being like, this guy's a hack or something like that. And I, I wouldn't go that far, but like, I, I followed him a lot. He and, is. Well, he just, I mean, I kind of think he kind of became it. And the one thing, yeah, the, the one true. excuse I'll make is that it's a professional, it's a job, right? And I think some yeah. guys probably, I'm guessing, like, move away from, I'm trying to do the most interesting or even competent stuff and just are putting out scripts. And, you know, yeah. he's just gotten into this formulaic place uh, that where it's just so I just know he's going to mix a few characters and uh, change the origin in a big way. And and that'll be this. Those will be 
really central to the story. It won't just be like the motifs or like a little signature. Did he lose you during Thor? Um, no, no, actually. Uh, I didn't like the, I, okay. I like the God um, Butcher stuff. I didn't like a lot of the way that Jane stuff was handled, but I think that is an, him and Russell Dowderman doing that, which is kind of the middle chunk of his stuff, um, is mm-hmm. still fantastically written. And, and it demonstrates actually the difference between, which a, a lot of fans can't, partition in their head the difference between recognizing writing quality and disagreeing with the decisions for characters you're invested in like you can write a story that's really well done about lobo getting in a sexual tryst with lois lane you just can you, you don't do i don't want you to do it but it, it can be a good story i'm yeah, right, right. I'm, I'm just pitching it now i have a sure. i have a, a treatement we okay. can look at yeah i have a script <laughs> yeah, i'm ready yeah. If Dan Tadio is but, listening. But anyway, so um, but so that's how I felt about that. The Jane Thor stuff. I don't like a lot of decisions made. I don't like his, like, really, in my opinion, kind of um, need sort of like two-dimensional identity politics. Again, I I have identity politics. I'm not against like that. I just think he's a very knee-jerk. Everyone does. Kind of. Yeah. yeah but anyway. Um, where where do you think he has the identity politics? I, no, Sorry, it's just, I just it's white girl feminism. W- it's, you know, non-intersectional, non-class-based white girl feminism and it's he has a tendency and it's not just in feminism it's writing these lines where he tells you shit that you read 20 years ago that we that i would say the culture's gotten to as if it's a very brave stance i he might as well have these moments where jane looks at the cameras like or whomever right uh, like look i don't mm-hmm. think it's okay to rape like it, there is a lot of those moments in there. Now, look, we people can disagree with me. the the point The point is just, despite me saying that, I think it's an, a very well written uh, story. Like begin her whole arc. Mm-hmm. I think that last stuff where Thor comes back and he's missing, he's got the metal arm, and I think there's a lot of really important plot and and thematic, um, like strands that never get brought together, never get integrated. I think it has a very weak ending. Um, But he really didn't lose me until like sort of into his Avengers run. And I think um, his Punisher stuff is, is kind of, kind of good and kind of bad but yeah but the gimmick stuff is which punisher stuff did you read because that's that's where he really broke so early on i didn't read i know he's he had done some punisher stuff i didn't pay attention to the first thing i read by him and man it it really is a good example of my feeling about the writer is the latest stuff where he's uh, been possessed or like he's kind of working for but also under the gun of the hand and there's the beast mm-hmm. is in like I think that story is really really well written. There's some very bizarre decisions in it. Um, yeah, it's a very mixed bag. Mm. But it was that Avengers run that really like cemented like I'm just kind of tired of this thing he's doing. Um, I also think yeah. it's kind of shitty. A little there's just some shittiness to it. Not totally, not ultimately, but a little shittiness I think. So. His Punisher run that you're talking about is his latest mm-hmm. one, and every Punisher fan I know fucking hated it, <laughs> including fair. me. That's totally fair. Yeah. Um, and the the main problem, the reason it really broke me, was because he's written the Punisher before. He ended out the Max series, mm-hmm. which, um, he the Punisher story he tells, um, the by if you look at the overtures, it sounds like a different story, but in truth, he basically wrote the same story twice. He just put more emphasis on the supernatural right. elements. 
first and then he tied in the daredevil stuff because that's how they were marketing it and i think that was put on him anyways right um but it's it's the same sort of things his wife hated him and wanted a divorce and that's what they were talking about right before she was brutally murdered and that's part of the reason he's so weird or whatever yeah they just want to he wants to strip the punisher of any aspect of morality or heroism which is I, I hear phrases with or like the writers hate the character or whatever right. whatnot and half the time it's like yeah dan slots making spider-man go through hell because that's what you do when you write a character right. like, like you have to have a plot right um this was a rare case where i think that's actually the case and i don't have a problem with that if you hate the punisher i'm not gonna judge you i do too kind of even though i've forced myself to read right. a lot of it i don't know um but like I don't think you can write the character from that place and move forward and make it work. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, and, I think hate might be. I don't know, but the, but I I I I think it's that like he wants he thinks that the character needs to be fixed. Um, and right. I don't know. I mean, like I think they. I think it's a very foolish idea about how to think about the problem of gun violence, and I think that like some of it is hard to think about because it's an industry, right? So. Like, if you're a writer and you have these feelings about gun violence and you believe that fake gun violence and fiction causes it, I think that's a really tenuous kind of belief, but let's say you do, then what you do is you don't fucking write the character. But the problem is it's a, it's a money-making IP and they don't have the balls mm. to just retire the character. So instead, you have to write this very confused concept and, I, you know, I mean, like, that's another thing. I think he has really incoherent, weak politics, generally. I think it, it, it infuses through almost all of his work. Um, and again, I know that's not mm. what I'm here for, and I'm not... And, and that's not what he's here for, either. Right? In other words, like... That's yeah. what you're here for. You're here to No, 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 no. I, I, what, what I'm saying is, like, it, he's not like... writing a political treatise, so it's not really fair for me totally mm. to rake him over the coals for that, you know? Well... I think it is, though, sure. because like you said, he does have those moments where it's a churn to the camera sort right. of thing and, and trying to do it. And when you put that in the work and it's that flaccid and yeah. almost that detached yeah. from your story, and especially in the climate, knowing that people are going to jump on you for it and hold it, it makes it hard for people who like your story and agree with you politically, but are looking at this comic and being like, what the f- right. no. And it doesn't work. And from a from a craft standpoint, like, yeah, that's weak. And you're hurting your cause by doing it. Yeah, I think that's right. And it, and there's something also just personally obnoxious about a person. Like you said, it's like there's a there's a kind of mincy anguish that he has about writing that character. And it's sort of like, just don't. You don't. Uh, so interestingly, yeah. when I was doing stand up that, you know, I'm, I'm a political person and there's this sort of drive to be like, oh, I want my stuff to have a political angle. And it can. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, there's this other guy, uh, his name's Jake Flores. He's a stand-up, and he actually gets into a lot of trouble. But anyway, but he did give me some good advice where he was like, look, stand-up's not activism. So you can do, put have political yeah. stuff in there, but don't think that that's political activism. Like, kind of, in other words, like, it may be in some minuscule symbolic, uh, you know, like shared an idea with somebody and they went and they paid it for it. But outside of that very limited, very like kind of silly way, you know, don't allow yourself to think you're helping 
in the first place. There's help to do. There's real work to do. I have a very similar sort of feeling about that. Whatever he does with gun shit in The Punisher is totally meaningless and materially useless. So if you don't want to write the character, don't, right? Uh, like, so for instance, we have like 350 yeah. million guns in the country and we have no gun law. And like, that's, it, there's a political economy to consider. That's why there's gun violence. There's not gun violence because people are like, I don't even think guns are bad or kill people. I just think it's a, and this one I'm saying, it, it reflects, <laughs> What it seems like is the politics of a person that like has very glib ideas that they inherited from a certain kind of like, you know, like, I don't know, Bill Maher or some shit like that. And then hasn't really put that much thought into it. You don't think Bill Maher changed the world? With his political comedy? I'm actually, I just, it's more just like the kind of glib nature of it. You know, I don't know anybody that glib and that wrong <laughs> that often. <laughs> he was like the best example. But I guess, so the point is, yeah, for me, it's like, look, just don't, if you don't, don't write this. It's not for you, you know, or, or petition Marvel and be like, you shouldn't have a gun guy. But you know, I, it just seems like a weird thing. Hey, you know what? I, I think instead he should use laser guns to shoot people in the face and stab them with knives. Ah, I fixed it. I got it. That's, that's basically what they're having. Uh, what's his name? Jay, whatever two yeah. issues in. As far yeah, that's as I know. their, that's their way um, of, yeah washing their hands of the epidemic of gun violence or whatever it's yeah it's very annoying i for me it's interesting because like if i was tasked with right i'm like don't avoid like dig in there's a yeah. story there there's a conflict there's yeah um okay so you're reading four. oh yeah, yeah back um, <laughs> so I, I love, um, it's very different than Immortal Hulk, obviously. Like I love, uh, just last thing on that and we move on totally. Uh, I really like, uh, Im uh, Immortal Thor because I feel like it's kind of like a, it feels very equal parts mythology and, and superhero stuff. And I think it's perfect anyway. Um, and it's that follow up to, uh, a, 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 you know, Immortal Hulk and Immortal Hulk was like one of the first times that was a, uh, or the first time in recent memory, it was a straight up horror thing. Right. And the late uh, the okay. incredible hulk that's going on now um the, it's got nick klein i can't remember the writer right now off the top of my head Al Ewing? no 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 right? i'm saying the current hulk oh i it's, have no it's idea. just a blatant scary horror thing it feels a little bit more like a swamp thing thing and i'm i'm really kind of enjoying that um i think the doctor okay. strange is very strong right now i'm I have an affinity for the character anyway but um it's been a super Fun storyline okay. where Doctor Strange is fighting a future version of himself. Um, I have another good example of like, I'm not really sure about these decisions, but I'm liking the the reading of the book Daredevil. Um, I don't know if you're reading the current one. Um, it's with Aaron Cooter yeah. is like one of my favorite artists ever. So it's kind of could be anybody, but he's doing some okay. wild ass shit in there. I like that. Um, what else? Oh, World's Finest is great. I, I look forward to that every month um shazam by the same token same creative team i really like i'm a big fan of mark wade so it kind of makes sense that's right um mark wade no busiek yeah okay. i actually think uh, mark wade is is who people think music is in my in my opinion i really do i really do why yeah, i just think it's better writing uh my i told you yeah well no i mean but people love Mark Wade and no, Kurt no, Busiek. No, that's, I, that's I don't true. What I'm it. saying is, is that like when I hear people describe, and I'll put it purely from my like vantage point, when I hear people describe what they like about Busiek, uh, it's very similar to what they would describe 
uh, with Mark Wade. Wade. It's just like totally resonates with me and Mark yeah. Wade does not resonate with me in Kurt Music. And I think that the what's the obvious commonality. I can't get I can't see more than the obvious commonality. The obvious commonality is they have a very classic appreciation of characters. They they are kind of almost right. I mean this in a technical and not political shitty sense. They have almost kind of like reactionary uh feeling about the characters sort of meaning like the idea oh we need to progress them into a new place. They have a very Norman Rockwell nostalgic view of the characters. Um I I don't actually put a, a value on that. I just think they're very they have a similar kind of thing. Um and I just love Mark Wade's writing, and Kurt Busiek has just never done it for me, sadly. Huh. Not that he's never done anything good. It's just usually, for me, the quality is... It, I don't think uh, this is going to be the... It doesn't connect with you, and for I whatever don't, reason. It never gets to the prestige place uh, for me, yeah. but yeah. Okay. And he's fat, and I just yeah. don't... No. <laughs> Take that, Kurt Busiek! No, sorry. No, he's fine. <laughs> Oh, they're all. I they're mean, it is. A, they, not, we uh, need some kind of spelt. workout program. Like it's anyway. Sorry, that's not. Yeah, hearing about stuff with oh. Peter David, I'm like, what do you mean you don't have health care, yeah. dude? You're, I know. Like, I I know it's sad, but at the same time, I'm like, get Cobra, man. Like, what the fuck are you doing? How do you have that much in bills? At a certain point, you shit your yeah. deductible. Like, what is yeah, going I don't know on? What I, that part, it's tragic, but also like, I like. I, I know our healthcare system is bad. It's, but it's very not bad. That it's it's probably not so bad that he couldn't get some sort of coverage, but it definitely is the kind of thing where like it can totally uh, debilitate mm. you financially. Oh, yeah. completely, no question. Um, and he's not doing a lot of writing these days. Outside of that, but he's yeah, a guy I like. Sadly, I've always like. Uh, yeah, I, I, he's had a few stinkers. Sure. I think they all have, right? Um, I wish he had a longer run on turtles. That was a bummer that that died so quick. You probably um, I, um okay. So, did, are you reading Spine Tingling uh, no, Spider Man? Not. I'm reading the Spider Man you hate, and I'm reading the the <laughs> I amazing. Assume, I actually, do you hate both of the Spider Man right now? The main one, Amazing, and Dan Slots, just Spider Man. Well, Spider Man is oh going yeah because he's doing Spider because he's doing Spider Boy and but Superior. like let's say that that thing that yeah. strand. No pun intended. The slot books I'm enjoying to a level, but I'm really hoping Spider Boy's like six issues done. I don't want to keep going right, right, down right. that lane because that has to be a limited story for it to work. And if they try to, it's selling, so we got to push it. On. Like that's gonna uh, kill something's it. going on. I really do believe this. I think there's a twist that's going to happen, and I'm not. I like. I actually like it fine, but like it just feels like there's something up. Like it. Well, it's slot. He, right. Yeah, he holds a card and he'll yeah. play it. And then my theory on slot is this. He's a pretty mm. good writer, but he's shit with bookends. Sure. Basically, if he has to make a big transition from one to another, that's where he's always weakest, which has really hurt him. Because, I mean, that's your first and last issues, which he, I mean, that's going to bring he's a it guy down. I have, I have to just like have very little opinion about because. I haven't. I just haven't read enough, and I haven't read almost anything complete. Like I, I like I read some well, like limited volumes. Like I read his like the first two of Superior Spider Man. I really liked that, but you know, I mean, and the best stuffs yeah. after, yeah. Um, okay, yeah. I mean, I was on slot was kind of my guy for Spider Man because he was on it for a f- 
decade. But when he was doing the Parker's industry stuff and whatnot was when I was moving into a startup environment. Like there was a timing aspect Mm -hmm. there for me that just worked and connected that can't be hit for me again. Especially if they're going to keep him so young. So actually having the Hickman like if that here's my thing. If that run goes for 60 issues, I'm sure I'll love it. If it goes for 12, I'm going to throw my finger at it and say why they bother. Um, oh, before I forget, um, a, a thing that I yeah. am reading that is just I have no excuse for my behavior. I am reading so many X-Men comics and I fucking despise them. I despise them. <laughs> and I'm like, but it, there's, I'm fascinated. When, when did you start in on the X stuff? Um, I was reading, I think it was the, like, a, I jumped back on. I mean, you know, I've been reading X-Men on and off for a long time. But I think. Yeah, that's how you read X. Right. No one just, only psychopaths yeah. read X-Men religiously forever. Like, you have to hop in and out. So um, when- but, like, it's Power of X and House of X is probably, you know, Xbox. That's... Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so there. So you were probably with it with Hickman, and then is it when Hickman fell off that the worm churned No, I mean, like, you, I just... I think that, I'm assuming I, I, a lot. I'm going to really try to abridge this, and I'll, I can get into some of the technical stuff. The technical stuff I'm often on about, it's been a very incoherent... Um, but but it's sort of made that way. Like I liked I liked Hickman's stuff. Um, generally, like his direction. Since then, it's just been very piecemeal for me. Like depends on the which title you mean or whatever. I didn't like the sword thing. I don't understand sure. that, but I don't care. Whatever. I mean, it's in other words, it wasn't my cup of tea. But I don't have any major complaints. Um, no. I, and again, the thing I want to abridge. I think the politics are very very bad. Um. And I don't mean they don't live up to my political expectations. I think there's some straight up perverse stuff that needs to be investigated. Like I, I really liked Karen Gillan and I still, I'm not, there are probably nice, good people that mean well, but like the idea of having, and I, I'm not going to make any parallels here. I'm just going to say the idea of having a fucking ethno state, uh, even under the basis of like, we're trying to protect ourselves is f- like at, at its core, conceptually a huge fucking problem. And let's, take away those parallels and the history of the parallels between the conflict that shall not be named and then certain okay yeah, that's right uh, i'm talking uh, about peru no, no i'm just playing uh, no um but yeah so away from the the parallels between you know x-men comics and israel right away from that just the idea of of their little structure of government that's i think fucking Oh, like, yeah. okay, so you're going to have a group of unelected people who s- secretly make plans without the consent of uh, what we're expected, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people in the thing. And by the way, the reason is because they're just the best inside. They're just, they are the, the they're the well, yes, queeniest of No, of they're not. Yeah, exactly. But that's not who they picked at all. And nor would anyone argue that. Also- all enforced by what they're not going to call the right. military, but the right. brand name. Exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> it's but, uh, fascism. Yeah, exa- exactly. It's fucking And And fascism. what's crazy to me about that is that I have, because I have been annoyed by it and because I read everyone, um, I've really looked for the deep set ironies or criticisms or. It's in Hickman's I believe book. that. Yeah. I think that I, it was to me kind of underdeveloped, but I, I, I believe that. Right. 
That's yeah. fair. Well, I think he was right. building it and I think he was playing off of he knew what the fans were going to do. And I've had conversations with them where they're like, they finally get to be free and they have their own island. They can live and let live. And it's weird to me to talk to these people I'm like these are fictional characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, person. don't get me started on how um, like um, sort of the unhealthy like. You know, you, there's things like parasocial relationships yeah. you have with, like, TV shows or, like, television personalities. But having... Oh, I'm breaking one right now. <laughs> it's great. But, you know, but but that's, like, you know, that's a there's a person on the other end or whatever. Like, this right. is... It's, it's yeah. way, like, the Twitter sphere, like, um, like, a comic Twitter shit. It's just toxic and weird and all kinds of fucking awful shit. Um, but, but, but just point yeah. being is that, like... I I think they're totally unselfware, and the book is morally strident, which is the problem. Rambo three, if it doesn't criticize imperialism, because it's not really doing anything, fine. It's like okay, it's a piece of shit and whatever. But this is a book of somebody uh, uh, by some people, I guess. There's probably a whole bullpen that have seem to have really like strident moral opinions, and the idea that they didn't it didn't occur to them that the world that they created might be a bad idea for reasons that they they just seem lost to them. I need to find it, again, <laughs> but I I had it out with Dugan once yeah. about this after he took over the book, and he's like, "What are you talking about? They're not fascist at all." And yeah. I listed. I think it was like eight examples of parallels directly from the book to modern day fascism. People are like, that's not what the Nazis did. And I'm like, fascism is yeah, more than yeah. not. Do you know how words yeah, work? Yeah, and, and uh, I think and like, my, it, my experience politically is that it's difficult to have that conversation with somebody that's not on your um, already on that wavelength. And, and there's a sense where it's like that it also makes it difficult because like we're playing this game of like what, uh, what qualifies as fascism or not, or what qualifies as like Naziist parallels or whatever. But my feeling is just like, okay, drop the fascism. I agree with you by the uh, a thousand percent, but I'm just saying to that argument, like, yeah. okay, what you are describing is pathological and dangerous. You can call it what you like. That's, uh, that's probably it's a like smarter in, way to go it's about like, it. By sure, definition, gonna... it is an ethno state. Like where, oh, yeah. uh, you know, I mean like, yeah, well, and I got so much pushback on that because there's two humans that they allow to live yeah. that you were know how like many Palestinians are in Israel in some books. Yeah, that's a, yeah, yeah. I know. It's like when when they have to be card carrying known exceptions. Yeah. That doesn't. That's no, not. It's a it's a totally silly defense because they they openly talk about this is a place for the mutants and look the the issue isn't that in their special fictional world that under the circumstances they can do that and we could say oh they would totally take in human refugees that's not the point the point is it is in some sense in reference to our world and ethnostates are very very bad so to me it would be like no 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 the x-men have a concentration camp but see the concentration camp is a different kind and in their special world the mutants can go in and out it's like you don't need to write stories about concentration camps where you act as if they're options that are positive. And by the same token, like, and, and I have to say too, and this is again, another kind of political position that has some controversy in certain contemporary progressive context, but I actually agree. And I will, I think even black radicals, many of which, especially socialist ones agreed that at some level, racial if uh, integration is kind of, the in state, right? 
And the cynicism of a certain kind of liberalism here of, uh, no, no, the, the, they should be separate is really disturbing to me. Um, I like, well, it's also against everything the expert have exactly, stood for, right. for right. ever. I mean, just, just from an in book standpoint, so you don't have to pull in as much politics to point out how weird it is that they went in that direction. Yeah. And, 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 and it's, didn't. You have these you have these separatist um, ideas, which I think there are certain political contexts historically that make sense, and I I'm supportive of them. Usually, when you have an oppressed people who have far less power and have to protect themselves, and integration will mean destruction. But he creates. I mean, they they create this sort of group of people that are. This isn't like oh, I have the ability to blow up playing cards anymore. We have people. We are the most powerful people on the planet Earth, who can now manipulate reality at a at a space-time level. You know, exactly. You When you're playing that separatist game then, that's a far more dangerous sort of idea. And the, again, the parallels to other nuclear-armed ethnostates, let's say, do, do pop up. If you're fucking paying attention, and they wrote the book. And again, I think what it is, is it's, they're not particularly right politically, and they're just kind of absorbing the wavelengths of CNN or Fox News or whatever the fuck is going on. And it's much more of a kind of like unconscious translation. Um, so I, I've been reading the books just on the basis of like, this is, we're learning a lot about the way, you know, this kind of unconscious, irresponsible politics manifest in pop culture or whatever. Um, past that, mm. I don't give a fuck about what they did with Nightcrawler or what, you know what I mean? Like, like, I mean, I, I well, I, I liked it. And it was so weird to see backlash from people being like, this was canon. And it's like canon from the single most disliked <laughs> X-Men story ever. No question. Nobody liked it. And now all of a sudden you wackos are coming out of the woodwork to defend it. And when oh, wait, what are we talking about? I, I was being them. random. What, what Nightcrawler thing are you talking about? Oh, Oh shit! No, this was a big deal. Um, so they made it so that oh, night. I know what you're talking about. Nightcrawler's dad yeah, is. I read, I read it. I'm fine with it. Yeah, they South Parked it. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally fine. Yeah, they did South Park it. Um, no, I remember. Same thing. I thought it was totally blown out of proportion. Um, I'm. I'm fine. I think you and I talked about this actually briefly. Yeah, like it's. It's fine. I'm. I'm good with it. I think it's. Uh, it's fine. Look, Claremont wanted Mystique to have a dick, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, like, I think that you get problems with the powers a little bit because they, the idea is she can now change her own DNA, and then somebody, and then they're like, well, but you can't do mutant powers because she's not smart enough to do biology. I don't know. I mean, like, it seems. Well, uh, the idea. Uh, Whatever. The powers work however they right. want to change. Nightcrawler's power set has so changed, yeah. I don't know how many times. Like, who right. cares? But also, like, I don't know. She can grow a dick and balls. Like, I, the reason it wasn't brought up before is you can't do that under the code, right? So, right. but the, yeah, like, I, like it's also weird because it's like, what? Who? Who can be against this? Like, and on what ground? So, like, that someone could have the power to change their like orientation, or not? Sorry, not their orientation. Their their like literal sex, like their biological sex. Like, these characters can, again, rip, like, manipulate reality at a fundamental level. Like, why couldn't you have a character that could do that? Or, you know. Yeah, no, it's, 
Well, because the transphobes didn't like it. Is yeah, where all the people em, opposed to em. it. Like, yeah, I know well, you right. agree. That's yeah. why you don't well, care. What I mean is, like, those people are totally unsatisfiable, and and you don't write. You cannot. You cannot write for them. You have it backwards. Actually, those people can't satisfy no, anyone. Yeah, I mean, you're so. a thousand percent probably correct about that. Um, but no, but you know what I mean. Like that. Like it is weird to me the conversations that take place on Twitter and the fights. And and because it's like yeah Are yeah like there's those yeah. guys like nerd Roddick and um, the the critical drinker and stuff and like they 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 have these analyses <sighs> yeah. that I think are sometimes well thought out and but I think they're bigots and like and moreover like I the attitude is totally mysterious to me and deeply pathetic because it's one of those things like they have this energy and anger about things that simply cannot matter like again i don't want to keep being like we got a genocide or we have climate change or or to worry about whatever but like the idea of a person who's who's real anger in this world and they are they're they can fucking say whatever they like it's very clear this place comes from a very like kind of grinds my gears place like that the proliferation Mm -hmm. of brie larson as Captain Marvel is the social problem they think is serious. I, I think it's fundamental. It's just they're pathetic people. So yeah, you can't can't write for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what are you going to argue with them? Like, she's a fine actress. If you don't like her, don't watch the movie. Like, there's no like you have an opinion, and I'm not going to say you can't right. have it, but you don't like the no, movie. And, and the weirdest thing is that there are annoying, I think excesses of a certain kind of wokeness. I know where it's almost done now or whatever. Oh, it, which is the inverse exactly. of that. That's, exa- that's exactly what I was going to say is that the, what the tragic irony of their lives is they don't understand. They are just, they have just become, it's like that fucking Nietzschean thing about like, if you fight monsters, see, you don't become one. They, they, and, and not just in some vague sense, <laughs> like they literally have all of the same sensitivities. So it used to be the thing we said about like people that were really, really politically incorrect is that they went over everything with a fine tooth comb to see any like offense or transgression or suck the humor out of everything. And that's precisely what these people do. They look at every little thing and see all the ways the message is infected at anything such that there can't be a black girl in a movie anymore. That can't just be a character in a movie. It has to be some per, like participatory in some oh, agenda or something like that. The perfection of representing minorities makes it harder to have minority or representation representation in media because they're going to be put under a microscope. And so it happens far less because you could just cast a white girl and then someone might be like, oh, that was a lot of white people in that movie. But that's the flack you get from that segment as opposed to... I'm not particularly a self-hating white person, and I find a certain amount of that annoying and suspect. But I have to say, on to be critical of the drinker, I guess, or people like that, part of me just feels like, you give a fuck about white people? Like, what, you're trying to protect, like, the continuation of whiteness? It's insane to me. Who could give... I honestly feel like it should be... If it was up to me, there would just be a mandate where we'd all have to interbreed with better well, prettier ethnicities and just fucking end it because it's a failed fucking project. And he's like, I mean, it's such a weird thing. It's There's a great preacher issue where Jesse fights the KKK and he's like, why is it that every defender that of the white race is the worst fucking example of it? It's like, yeah, I mean, like, and and they, oh man, I, yeah. I, it's gonna get me started, but I'm just saying. 
It's- well, no, and I mean that that's the biggest divide I see with comics now versus people who read it. I'm going to say more from our age mm. or before is comics used to be counterculture. Yeah, kind of. And kinda, now they're yes. just kind of pop culture. Yeah, I th- I th- well, oh. I mean, so I, so I agree. And I don't want to be like uh, flying the ointment about that because I think the principle is true. I will say, I, I do think sometimes it gets overstated where people do have a tendency to like pick out the parts that are like, are that. I, I think they were nerdy, right? Um, but yeah. I, well, there was that. There's also the, I mean, when you start digging a bit more to like comics right. or whatnot and all that, and you can't have that anymore, right. really. Well, say more about that, because I'm not sure I totally understand what you can't have anymore there. I mean, you can't put out like a um, a uh, Fabulous Furry Freak Brothers, really, or a uh, Johnny the Homicidal oh, Maniac. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or... Yeah. So, like... You could make those comics, but they couldn't reach or come out in the same way just because the mechanisms, costs, yeah. and like market penetration of whatnot, like those would have to be like web comics and then they die in the vine because you can't really push a web comic. Yeah. And, and, you know, anytime you're being sort of, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, like, because I'm being this, uh, like nostalgic or you think of like, there used to be this thing and that thing is not anymore. There is this feeling where people yeah. are, they take it, I think, a little too, like, it's, um, I don't know, kind of almost chauvinist to your generation or something. I'm not saying this is better, but okay. but I think that it's like we were talking about with the Marvel trading cards or whatever. Before the internet, before especially yeah. like a kind of like mass media, social media kind of situation, like, you had to really work and discover things. And like it, it wasn't just it. Like now, if I have a thought and I want to find out if a thing, like how to get something or, or where it's located or what's going on with it, it's just obviously like consult my computer or whatever. But but there was something really wonderful about uh, you know having the stuff that like you really did have to at times beg, borrow, and steal, and like get your dad to drive you like three towns over to go to the convention that might have a thing like that. And I don't, I'm not even saying it's better, but I do. I really do miss that, and I, 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 I think it's really nice. Well, I think it forced community in a way. Like, obviously, internet has built community, but I mean, a message board is not meeting right. up somewhere. You know, um, totally. I don't know that. I, I'm not even sure it does build community. It builds something. I'll give you that. There's something built. I don't know. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. Okay, so Thor, mm. few more. I'm trying to. Th- I mean, like the X. So the other stuff. thing that's weird about reading a bunch of titles is that, like, I'm just in like there's just this like first standard deviation of of comics that comes out, so to speak, where it's all just pretty good and not mm-hmm. so good, and it's just like that comic air I breathe or whatever. And a lot of that just like I read mm-hmm. it and I don't. I almost don't think about it all at all. But. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just yeah, no, I completely understand. Um, like, oh, the Spider-Man Gang yeah. War stuff. What do you What are your thoughts on that? Because like, I it's a I haven't know. touched it yet. It's sitting right over there. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna read it like within a week, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. I've gotten as far as the Rec Rap stuff, and I think Rec Rap is the I, stupidest okay. thing Marvel I Comics has put out. Love Rec Rap. Uh, it <laughs> hit me in this place I don't fully understand. Um, it's, I don't know. I like, I just think he's funny as shit. And everything you say about how stupid it is, is true. 
There's just no, I just don't yeah. know, but I, I, um, I need to buy the figure. I look and think it's cool. Um, but not to just be like a, a knee jerk yaysayer about everything because the gang war stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, this is not, there's just nothing going on here. It's fine. I'm enjoying it in a very like issue to issue installment to installment, but I'm, it, it, it feels kind of spinning the wheels a little bit and that's not, yeah. Okay. Well, that's the problem with the Marvel event stuff mm. as a rule. Even for the events I go in, I'm like, hopefully they pull it off this time because all they have to do is just write the story through. But then it's an Alpha and Omega issue. Right. And then there's the Spider-Man stuff, Daredevil. And then they're doing Luke Cage this time, even though they couldn't get him published last time for whatever reason. Yeah. And uh, whoever else they're but, dragging. But take away. I think She-Hulk she does, shows yeah. up. Uh, and also not doesn't make a lot of sense outside of maybe trying to integrate some of the Marvel university or sorry, MCU stuff or whatever. Yeah. Well, it just doesn't make sense. Like, and that's the problem is like, just tell the story with the characters you need, maybe bring in a couple surprise ones to like right. spice it up. But like, that's it. And they don't, you don't have to bring in their books, just bring in the yeah, characters. And well, and for me on like, that one, like it's just kind of like, cause away from this issue, as you mentioned about like the crossover stuff, this really doesn't this was like marketed as a crossover and they have some tie-ins but this just this in many ways just feels like a story like like an arc maybe a slightly longer arc but what i'm what i'm suggesting is that the arc is kind of boring like it 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 feels like a very average arc not necessarily bad but well yeah no and i mean that's i think that's the problem with what you were talking about with jason aaron before some of the political stuff is like it's guys churning in a script. They have to write an arc. And then Marvel's like, well, this one's big enough. We're going to make it an event. We're going to do all this. They're like, going to do the least amount of effort to fix it, to meet whatever marketing requirements and give space for someone to write this character's idea where you had two pages. They're going to make it three right. issues. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but no, yeah. I mean, you know, there's part of me. It's like, what's funny. There's two things that happen a lot of times. Uh, and and I've noticed for the last, like, let's say 10 years or whatever, because people have been complaining about crossovers, especially for at least that long, right? Maybe longer. Um, but, and yeah. Well, they've been going. Yeah, because take, I was yeah. going to say, like, the, like, Civil War is like the beginning, I think, of the new, like, crossovers all the time. And but people l- seem to like that yeah. at first. Like there was a m- maybe five year grace well, period or something. Yeah, well, I mean, I think initially, like, because it was this big bombastic story that brought in mm. all the characters and it was exciting. And you also had the Captain America death. Like, it felt significant and important, like stuff was moving and happening. And that was coming out of some stagnation of characters kind of uh, spinning yeah. their wheels for a while and nothing big or new happening. And so, yeah, Civil War totally worked. And then there was it was Secret, Secret War. Secret Invasion. Next, think, right. Or, yeah, Secret. Sorry. No, no, jerk reaction. Yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) And then, then you get to another one and another, and then eventually it's like, well, okay, they're going to have another event, but then it becomes the problem again, where you're spinning your wheels, like these events happen, but then nothing really happens. And I, I just thought of it, like I agree with you. Civil War was the start of it, but right before it, there was House of M. Yeah. But House of M operated differently because it actually was an event comic. There was an event that happened, and it does have ramifications coming out of it. But the meat of all the spinoffs and everything that happens in that book 
is an event that's only House of M. And if you don't read it, all right. you need to know is Scarlet Witch said no more mutants and committed a genocide. And she's everyone's favorite character now because mutants suck, apparently. So Yeah. I, so, yeah. So you, people have complained about this for a long time, and rightfully so. I think every most of I have no pushback against just the idea of the crossovers are have gotten to an annoying place and they have all these weird conundrums to them where it needs to feel like important, but how do you do that when you keep doing it? All that kind of shit. And somebody's got to die, but yeah. we know it can't be anybody that's worth money and they're going to come back. But while all those complaints happen, and for good reason, I had noticed that the individual titles are oftentimes some of the best I've read at any given time. Not all of them. But the, the quality of... So, so like, it's okay. like you'd have a bunch of, you know, standard whatever, and you'd have, like, maybe Fantastic Four written by somebody that everybody hates what they're doing right now. That's all... That's the thing. But there'd be, like, a Moon Knight title, like, that I was like, this is so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like, all the while, while, while this big architecture show is okay. awful, but then I'd be like, oh, my God, this Thor comic, I love what, you know, who, whoever is doing in well, their world. But was the Thor comic better when they were doing the... Fucking hammer event. I forget what that uh, was called. Uh, oh, fear, fear itself. itself. No, no. I think fear. I think fear itself is a really not good crossover. And actually, to to be fair, okay, uh, I, uh, yeah. that Matt Fraction's run is widely regarded as a very big dud, and amongst not just Thor fans, okay. I think generally. And then so he does his kind of dud run, and then I just and by the way, I I think he's a good writer. It just he didn't connect. I don't think. And then he does a big. They do a big. Uh, crossover culmination to his big dud run. Um, to to my yeah. point earlier about Jason Aaron's sort of thing falling off, read War of the Realms. It's I think it's very like eh. Uh, similarly, you know, but at least his run was. I mean, I read a few of the tie-in right. books, but, but, but at least his run yeah. was like critically acclaimed and everything. So it kind of I feel like it was justified that they try to end it big, but it's it, <laughs> it it's the difference actually in a weird way. Between like having this standalone series that he was writing where it was his world and his vision, and then they turn it into this crossover and it becomes in- incredibly generic. And to in- emphasize that genericism, generic, genericosity or whatever, uh, they have three fucking big crossovers that are all like the same. Asgard invades Earth, the symbiotes yeah. invade Earth, all the plants invade Earth. It was like weird, like farcical, like it was like Marvel was kind of making fun of themselves or whatever. Well, and what weighs on it, too, is there's a mirror thing that often happens with DC and Marvel where they'll bounce off each other one way or the other. And there's something that is too similar that happens too tight. And so there was something with invading in DC. So (laughs) as people who read it both it's even more right. weighed down yeah. um but yeah i don't know i mean like the crossovers like i don't complain too much about it because there is a part of me that's sort of like and you don't you don't really have to read it and and it's not just that it's like that was never like like to me it's like like comic continuity like the comic universe is sort of unique right you have all these characters with their own comics and they all exist in this world and we knew about the world the world was implied Right. This connective tissue that they're all sort of, you know, joined together and in. But the main mechanism of that was them being in each other's uh, comic book. But yeah. So, I mean, basically, my point is that, like, you know, they there was the there's this connective tissue, this world they all share and stuff like that. 
Um, and then every once in a while, they'd have a crossover, right? But the main mechanism by which that they express this is the world. They're in each other's comic books. You know, like, oh, every once in a while, you know, Wolverine can see Spider-Man and they'll have an adventure together or something like that. But then at some point, editorial, I, I don't know if it's a like, it, again, it's just a natural outgrowth of like crossover sell well, let's do more and more. And then pretty soon the universe itself becomes its own thing that has to be taken care of and the subject in some sense of the stories. And at that point, I, I think it's really unnecessary. I think the vast majority of stories that have come out of that have been like kind of not great. And I couldn't give a shit about them. I mean, um, and I, th- I think they really, even the good ones are kind of in their own way. Like, I think a good example is crisis on infinite earth. Um, like I, you know, it's a, it's historically very important okay. and there are really interesting elements to it, but it is like, you can just see way too much of editorial in it. And I don't just mean like, oh, Marv Wolfman is like the anti-monitor, like everybody says. I mean, like you can just see the the basic kind of mechanics of the story are just like them trying to write out things from their world and put stuff into their world. And yeah, I just, I don't think it's, it's, it's not that Marv World one, one, Marv Wolf one, one was one I never heard before your podcast. Oh yeah, so. well, I, like I said, somebody somebody That's told me, and I was like, oh yeah, of course it is. That's exactly you know, um, but but point being is that like I don't I don't think that's interesting. I don't think that was the initial buy in, um, and I don't know where they were in a weird place where they might be like um, like Marvel or like comic book movies, where eventually they have such diminishing return that like people just that just fall out of fashion i don't know it hasn't been that long you know i don't know well that's part of the problem with the events is that they do boost sales because you do bring people through i think infinite earths is a weird example though because that one more so than any other was a tool that was used effectively because that it was a reboot that they actually rebooted and stuck with unlike the new 52 or secret wars if that even ever actually counted. no you're you're absolutely right no i mean i think you know when i say that like oh it's editorial and you can see it i don't mean that in some sense to especially to do that job or whatever that it wasn't effective for to that end but it's just that uh like as a story unto right. itself i don't think there's much there it's just i mean it's okay it, there's some really cool moments in it and stuff like that they killed like, Supergirl. and it's a great and it's actually just reading that part is a great moment like i you know um it's just Wolfman to me oh, yeah. is a great, is a really yeah. good. Is he great? I don't know. A, a wonderful comic book writer, and Perez is unimpeachable. So, um, no real criticism. Just that, like, I don't think it's as a story, you know, outside of that stuff that interesting. And and the other thing about it is like DC had a real problem, like you mentioned, about like how confusing, like you know, the world that that kind of comes out of the publication of their comics and their legal history makes that even worse. So it makes sense that like, look, our, our, our readers seem to legitimately have a lot of questions and misunderstandings about who is where and, and things like that. But the vast majority of the crossovers like have had no, no real purpose outside of, like you said, to juice sales and, you know, well, it was funny reading in a, very post-crisis world um i think it was published around hush um there's a lot of stuff about how dc operated and so they talked about the original green mm. lantern being in gotham at one point i don't think he was headquartered there but he had an right. adventure right and bruce saw him and saw him to be a hero and i was like 
oh, that's fascinating. So I've heard forever Superman's like the first superhero, but this Green Lantern character was first. And so I thought the Golden Age characters like actually did come first right. for a while until I learned more about the publishing history. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty wild. It, it was kind of embarrassing. Not as embarrassing as me going to a Barnes and Noble looking for Under the Hood because I was trying to find the book that was in Watchmen <laughs> and my dad wondering why I was trying to find the autobiography That's of the Klansman. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I don't know. I mean, hmm. so do you, let me let me ask you, do you think that comic books are kind of like, have they dropped off or is it us? So I've complicated feelings on that i do think in some ways comic books have dropped off i don't think it's the marvel and dc stuff Mm -hmm. as much though i think that is some of the age and whatnot and the appreciation i just know a lot of people connect with stuff that are younger that like some of that and i'm like i can't get into it as much but yeah i mean spider-man's dropped off right now but that's a some book seven flow right um But I think if you're looking at like the 80s and early 90s and stuff where comic books were, you had Madman coming out, Mage, you had uh, Mm -hmm. Sandman, you had Preacher, you had Starman, Transmet, like there's the superhero stuff, but also comics were expanding and there are these classics that at this point have to be adapted, Mm -hmm. I guess. It made comics bigger. And I, I do think also, like, even if it's not strictly superhero, like Madman or something, like, there does have to be an action adventure element for it to be a successful right. comic, on average, at least, because comics as a medium tend to need to be visually stimulating. If you just have two people in a room giving brooding monologues, that should be a play or a right. short movie totally. or something, making that a comic just doesn't make sense right but you had all these amazing stuff and classics stuff i've gone back through and dug through and some of them continue i just got into usagi Jimbo last year really incredible but born of that era even some of the other stuff i was saying the head shop comics predating it whatnot you have our crumb you have uh the fabulous furry freak brothers you have your head shop shit or your weird goth shit that came out the crow whatever I think the movies might be doing a lot of that, that work, by the way, uh, on the negative end. Um, I think like where the kind of comics where yeah. the idea is like it, it needs to have an eye towards adaptation, which I think almost you if you're a writer, an artist, yeah, yeah if you're a writer it, yeah. or an artist or an editor right now uh, and you're in that business, you have to be thinking of that. You'd be insane not to. Because if you're an independent person and you're like, look, I can be, if I excel this and make this, this is going to be, I could literally, you know, millionaire, like kind of shit. I could make my career, I could do whatever I wanted. And if you're an editor, your job is to make profitable IPs and that's movies. And, you know, this reminds me so much of like the Boston comedy scene of legend in the 1980s where no one in that scene, that scene just produced amazing comedians like Stephen Wright and Lenny Clark and all these guys. And uh, and later Dennis Leary, even though he's kind of a joke thief or whatever, but like nobody knew. Th- yeah, they all exactly. are. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I'd be surprised. I um, I can get into that theory. No, you, we that's should talk about that uh, because I actually have thought about. It. But anyway, um, but the thing about just to connect the the, the thought is like it, those guys didn't for the vast, especially in the like late seventies, early eighties, had no there was no career. 
in comedy outside of that scene where they were literally just uh, getting mm. paid in cocaine and partying. They weren't in it for the money. They were in it right. for the I mean, love. Yeah, or, or for the local celebrity. But the point is, is that like they weren't trying to get on yeah. TV because they didn't know that could happen. And then Stephen Wright went on uh, The Tonight Show and inst- I mean, because that was at the time too, if you went on The Tonight Show and you did six minutes of stand-up and Carson right. called you over, you were famous now. Or at least, if you weren't famous, you were at least, you were going to have a movie career or something. They were you were gonna be in the industry or whatever. Mm. And then it apparently It was just yeah, apparently destroyed that comedy scene. Because I mean, not totally. There's still a yeah. Boston comedy scene to this day, but like yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. That's kind of where yeah. I was going with it. You're right. But also to what you're saying, like these comics for movies, whatnot, don't hold up for no, the most part on on average and there, there's the famous cowboys versus aliens scenario too which i don't know if that's happened more but that's a weird i don't know if you i, know I mean about i've, that seen, one. I've Sorry, seen it i, I didn't kinda... read the comic i've seen that yeah oh no so the guy who made that comic bought enough copies of his own uh-huh. comic to get it pushed to another layer of distribution which then got them the gotcha. movie deal and it was never actually a successful comic. They just made it appear as so, so they could sell their script to get I the movie you. made and actually make and it's money. Just whatever. And it's just whatever. And I mean, even with the comics that have come with the new era, which time zone depending, but like The Walking mm-hmm. Dead as a comic, I don't remember reading it. For It reads like popcorn because it's like maybe six panels on a page. There's maybe a word balloon on four of them. And it's just so it it reads like you're supposed to read the like it reads like it's supposed to be a, a right. storyboard, yeah, not like a comic as much. Most I, of the I time. could go along with it, but Kirkman has this problem. Even Invincible, which I I have every I I read it in trade, but like I have the entire series or whatever. But it does have a tendency to like it isn't clear where he's going or if he even has a sense of where he's going. He seems to have the Stephen King. Like, I was just told this. I didn't know this about Stephen King. Actually, Robin told me in the podcast that Stephen King often begins and has no idea where he's going when he writes and just write, understands the characters, develops the characters, and then has them make decisions and the, just goes through that causal chain until, well, I guess it's time to end the story. And Kirkman stuff always feels... Method writing. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, yeah, in a sense. Method yeah, writing. Um, and it's successful in a lot of ways, so it's not to say it's a shitty thing, but it does make sense that these guys have like, you know, kind of like zero architectures or are like meaningful architecture or movement to their stories sometimes. And they just kind of and the endings often peter out rather than, you know, coming to a point or a climax or something like that. Yeah, well, and I actually think the uh, the best example of the difference between the comics is highlighted with uh, Ronin. Um, did you ever read the original Frank Miller Ronan? Um, what, what are we talking about? A movie Ronan? No, 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 not the, the weirdo. Cop oh, it's thing. so good. No, that no, 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 no. So but anyway, okay, go ahead. Sorry. It's so yeah, who cares? It's, it's yeah, a movie. It's, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it served my country. No, there well, is a, it's a line from the movie. That's okay. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, oh, oh. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there is a DC published comic Ronan that was a Frank Miller gotcha. joint, right? Uh, wrote and drew, and it's confusing as hell to try to figure it out for the most part. It's not the most cl- clear narrative, but I mean, 
when people talk about Frank Miller inspiring the turtles, like clearly this was one of the main parts of it. Obviously right. Daredevil ties in too, but like Ronan, I mean, had the sword play and the whatnot and some of the artistic flares that they picked up more of Miller leaned on harder in Ronan than he does in other stuff. Concurrently, there is a Ronin 2 put out by the Frank Miller press that he started right. up. Um, and the book is mostly double spread splash pages with like random word bubbles around it. And it's inanity. It, it, there's no real sense to be made of it. It's like a feel piece. Sure. And uh, I, I don't, and it, but it's like, this is not some great comic that people are going to come back to or try to piece together, right. like the portraits of the artist of a young man or something. Like this is just product being shoved in our face, sold at ten dollars yeah, a so pop. You know, I have two thoughts there. I mean, one, it could be the Picasso thing, right? So the last stuff he's doing is like a fucking, you know, squiggle of a dachshund with its name at the bottom. And selling it for billions of dollars or whatever, or millions of dollars probably. And, you know, they're, they're, from what I understand, still <laughs> art historians that will defend that as amazing art, but whatever. Um, so maybe it is that. But also, yeah. I mean, it's also okay, I think, that sometimes some output is not this masterpiece and it's just like what the guy is working on at the moment or whatever. Oh, sure. Um, but, you know, I think the other thing that, that what, where there's a lot of failure in translation is. I've noticed that there's a many comic book movies feel the need to do, show you this is a comic book movie. Like this is a superhero story. Um, the ones that don't, I mean, there's some examples okay. that have leaned into it, like Sin City that I think are very, like the Robert Rodriguez movie that I think are very successful, but th- Hey, Frank Miller right, helped yeah, direct. Yeah. I was, I think he was just allowed on set more than anything, but uh, cause, cause when he took over, it was just, they thought it was going to be this entire new movie style and that fucking did not work as soon. But anyway, but the point is like, I, I think that's a tragedy. Actually. I thought it was really cool, right. but I like comics. But the, but the so. thing is, is, yeah, that's fair. And I actually didn't see it, which is weird. I, maybe I should, I, if something, <sighs> if a movie is rated low enough, uh, that it really fucks it up for me. Um, you know, if something's forty percent, I'll see it. But Whoa. if it gets seventeen, I'm like, if you don't love tits, yeah, I don't know if damn. that movie's going to appeal to no, you in the same I, way. I, they're okay. It's, I don't hate tits. I'll tell you that. I, I'm not trying to gatekeep. I'm no, just I saying it. I don't think that one's for. But the anyway, gays. so so yeah. the thing about uh, like most movies that are successful that adapt comics, I have found are ones that later on people are like, oh, that was a comic, because it was adapting the story and using you know, it's filmic language and it's filmic sort of techniques to tell the same story. Road to Perdition is a great example. Crow is another oh, example. I thought you were going with the mask. The, I mean, the mask, I mean, in, in its own way is a really good example. Um, I mean, depending on... It's so filmic. Well, I haven't, so. seen, I haven't seen the mask since I was a kid, so I, I, can't, I can't really comment. But, but my point is like, when you read a Batman comic, half of the time, it's not a fucking superhero story. It's a detective story. When you read Captain America, it's like a, uh, it's not a superhero story so much. It's like a, um, I don't know, like a 1940s, like what J. Michael Straczynski's doing, this weird, like, kind of, uh, yeah. I'm, 
you can act like a J. Michael Zerzinski script is like the average. No, no but my, no, 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 <laughs> that's, that's fair. But like, I would say Conan, right? I mean, or what's a better example? Oh, Superman is a great example. Superman's more of a kind of art deco thing. The, the point is like that genre, the genre of superhero stuff is an artifact of like the medium of comics or whatever. But most of the time, those stories are not purely like super uh, superhero stuff. Most of the time, they, they're well, many different genres. Yeah. But then when you translate that well, into a movie, yeah. they feel the need to constantly like subscribe to a superhero formula that I think half the time doesn't exist in the comic books. I I mean, I think I mostly agree. I mean, I do think there is the superhero language and style and whatnot that plays right. through and we all know what it is. Yeah, that, which point. is fair. Yeah, but yeah. by and large, the superhero genre is just a colorful facade over action adventure exactly. tropes of the past. And to not understand the depth right. of that is to take away what it could be, even at the lower levels. Like, if you can understand Superman is a bit of like Doc Samson Absolutely. or uh, whoever. like Flash Gordon, whatever. Well, although that's Superman, I guess more like post World yeah. War, but but too, but yeah, than, I mean, uh, but right to your before, point, yeah, these things have, are like have what do you call it? Like are constitute like super the superhero genre itself is like constituted by other sort of things or whatever. But I don't know. I mean, like it, and mm-hmm. and when it's been adapted in the way that I'm suggesting, I think it's often successful. So not just like letting us forget that it's a superhero movie, but like Wolverine is a great example, right? Like Logan, that movie is a Western. It just is a Western. It's written like a Western. It's a direct yeah. reference in so many ways to Shane. And I think it's thematically like Shane. Um, and, you know, it, it, but we know it's, yeah. Shane? The, so the, the Western Shane is primarily about this idea of this. Oh, there's a movie yeah, called yeah, Shane. So the, the movie Shane is, yeah. Okay, <laughs> that's what. I, sorry, that's I don't okay. know movies, about I know it, comics. Just, I just I, I made a choice. Oh, that's in fine. Life. You can make others. I, no, but, but just yeah. to give you a sense, like Shane is yeah. like this movie about this western kind of like cowboy, this old fashioned, almost Gene Archery uh, character, not being able to fit into the the changing landscape of America and the West. And that's what Logan is, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Shane's literally on the TV when he's watching it or whatever. The point is that they made a fucking Western. It was totally successful and they didn't need to constantly just go back to the same like superhero formula because it's a comic book movie or whatever. Yeah, and I, I do think there are other comic book movies that do it sure. smarter, but some of them weren't recognized as comic book movies or are made by more competent directors like Scott Pilgrim's a great example like that's very obviously a comic book movie but in such yeah, a yeah, different way um, and then the last thing i guess on that that i was thinking is that like um it seems like now the the things that those the movies are adapting are the very things that comic book fans are are were already annoyed by in our medium right which is like these massive convoluted yeah. crossovers and universes that get insanely tedious they could have just talked to like jeff johns or whomever you know peter david or or mark wade people that were on like the ground floor of like trying to figure out things like you know post-crisis and the new 52 and shit like that and just like yeah this is like it's a huge problem don't don't get into this problem there though is a bit different and i think it's born out of one simple statement they made a Spider-Man movie, not a TV show. Oh, tell me more about that. Spider-Man, DN- like the DNA of it requires to build 
up to things. And part of the reason mm. why I think people don't like the amazing movies, the um, Andrew Garfield ones, is because they were playing off of bigger Spider-Man moments that were built up through serialization. Right. Like we only care about Harry Osborn because we've seen him a hundred times before and are mesmerized by how that haircut could <laughs> exist. Or what it's even meant to imply. Like it's, yeah. What's up? I like it. Um, so Spider-Man is a soap opera. It's, its DNA is in serialized storytelling. When you only tell Spider-Man through big bombastic movies that are all giant events, it's really hard to make us care about those events because the world's exploding. We've seen eight people in this world that aren't just, you know, right. stand-in actors or whatever. Like, eight actual characters. But isn't like, that who just cares? comics? Like, I, I kind of agree with you about the strength of Spider-Man, but, like, I think most comics are that way. Most serialized, most superhero comics are told that way i see i don't think so because i think the scale tends to be too big for that and that's the problem with the event comics too that you're talking about like we're going to destroy the universe like no you're not and who cares right Um, but in in, but superman works that way and batman works that way like you know and batman does not work that way generally in like arcs batman like six six batman is much more the Joker kidnapped a 16-year-old girl, and he's going to blow her brains out if Batman doesn't do uh, XYZ well, I think to I, save in time. The stakes are a lot more I think more I see powerful. what you're talking about. Like, uh, you're saying that like the strength of the Spider-Man comics, it's it's not just like, oh, it's a comic book, so it comes out in like six-issue or 12-issue arcs. You're saying like it's in the almost the quotidian. Yeah. Like it's in the, we get to know his friends and, and the other people in the office and stuff like that, and you need to build that up. Is that is that something? Yeah, you have to have the B and C plots to make you care I about see. the characters to build up to it. But also, like when you have uh, the Spider Verse and whatnot, it becomes this meta textual goop where a the metaverse thing and all that I was on board with because I understood the Flash mm-hmm. thing from before I was born, so it was never novel to me. But now it's reached a point where. I really reached with Bioshock Infinite. If you create infinite possibilities, none of them matter. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think I, I think it's also it's less about writing a single story that way, like because writers have other tricks yeah. to create stakes. But when you create the multiverse, and moreover, you kind of understand that this is a big land of IPs that companies are making. I think you're exactly right that like now we know that not only do they have a reason to negate anything that happens. Like, so for instance, a character dies, but they want to bring it back or something like that, or uh, they want to go to a different yeah. universe. Like, then now they have an in-story, like, reason, and it almost necessitates itself or whatever. Um, because I, I like think I think there have been plenty of, of comic stories that have, like, multiversal shit that have stakes in internal to the story, whatever, you know, like, my Lisa's gonna die or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but I agree. I think... I think that's the bigger point, too, is the stakes uh, have to be drawn. Like, for any drama, you have to have you have to create stakes that the viewer, reader, whatever cares about. And when you go that big that fast, you know, because you have 90 minutes right. to make a movie, how are you going to make me possibly care? Yeah. And, and the scale is way bigger than, like, uh, than the, the action that's going on. So it's like they've just taken... 
it's really just the one world, right? You can call it a multiverse, but it's just a one. Yeah. Now you've just said, okay, actually, the world that this is in stretches on infinitely. That's the other problem, too. And it, it's like, yeah. It's like the other Spider-Man could have been like around the block and it would have been the same difference right, half the time. Like you don't have to do metaphysics to introduce a new character right. sometimes, you know, you just, but I, I guess another question I'd have is, do you think there's also just diminishing returns with those movies? And was the infinity saga, the kind of thing you can kind of only do once you know, in the way that you did it anyway. I think a lot of times we talk about these stuff, these things like, oh, they made this mistake. And I think this is true, but like they made these mistakes, they put it into the ground. But like, what is this always going to be harder to do? Was this always, I don't want to say doomed to fail totally, but like probably hard to succeed at more than once. Well, so I I think there's a key there, but I think it's maybe a little different than what Mm. you think it is. So like for me, when they were building up all the Infinity stuff, you get Iron Man 1, you get Captain America 1, you get Captain Marvel 1, you get uh, Big Boogaloo Boogeyman yeah. 1, yeah. whatever. And origin story, origin story, origin story, origin story, da-da-da-da-da. It's true to the comics or whatever. Okay, whatever. I don't mm-hmm. give a shit. I've read the comics, I know the story, I walked in the movie and I basically could have told you beat for beat right. what's going to happen. I right. don't care. It's boring. When you get to the stuff that people say is failing, when you get your She-Hulk, the Hawkeye series, like uh, that's the other thing too, is you start talking series and stuff, I get infinitely more interested immediately because I like serialized storytelling. I like comics. I like TV. Yeah, I'm infinitely more on board already, but I'm the one that you were trying to capture before and you ended up capturing the general audience. And of course you're going to lose them because they're non-committal motherfuckers that just want to see some pop hit and not have to continue or think about it. They don't want to dive in and make a thing. They just want to watch. Well, a I'll be honest. Movie. I'm kind of that guy too. Uh, you're talking about mediums. I like movies a lot. Yeah. I don't like, and I should, it's not like, I don't yeah. like, uh, I'm watching a few now uh, with JT, but it's more of a time yeah. issue. Um, I have a hard time with serialized dramas mm-hmm. just because like, you know, I have a hard t- like so one movie. Even the I think they made too many goddamn movies, but like one movie, a, a Marvel movie, a season, I can really cut into my schedule. But like the the kind of like seven hour or whatever in total kind of stuff, um, I've dropped off and not not even like I didn't make this decision not to keep up with the Marvel shows. I literally like begrudge the fact that like I'll probably not get to some of them. And I feel like there's a lot of people like that. So it, it is a it is a weird thing if the idea is that you really have to have some, you need to be watching those shows to really fully feel the the weight of the movies or whatever. And you that's not well, yeah. You no, so but I think don't. people think that is the point. Is that like, you? oh, they like, of course cause, do. Because like when you yeah. take a general audience person and you say like, oh, well, this is in reference to some stuff that happened in the show. And they're like, I have to fucking watch a show to watch the movie. Uh, I, I do. I think there is a sense yeah. of that. I had a friend that wouldn't go to the fucking Infinity War because he didn't watch the MCU stuff. And I was like, dude, I promise this is just gonna be a fucking roller coaster ride. You can't I was like, you basically know that to get the characters characters are easy. 
that one i think i could defend that more than the rest like if you don't know the characters or anything coming in you might just feel overwhelmed but that's the fact that's no no you're probably right that is true but i'm saying from his perspective it was like i haven't seen the movies so if you take somebody who's not into those ips and like not only have you not really been keeping up with the movies also do you know there's tv shows and you have they these characters were in the TV shows or whatever. It would be like watching the Friends movie yeah. or the Sex in the City movie, and you've never seen the show. The Friends like if they movie. made a Friends movie. You know what I mean? Oh, They're like, okay. oh, we're doing. It's like, like I don't even now. know who Chandler is. Like I guess. <laughs> it's Chandler's yeah. funeral. Um. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might, I would fucking see that movie, and not, I don't dislike that guy at all. I just like that is a bold fucking writing choice. That is a mammoth esque <laughs> man can't... writing choice. I, I have to. I'm yeah. of that generation. That show yeah. was uh, a thing. I think, so, but I, I guess my point is, is like a lot of people are on for the origin stories and there's that and you could keep them right. for three movies and then you got a series of three movies here and there and then they commingled into something. It's like, well, we got to watch that now. But I, I, I do think they broke it with Infinity and like to try to build that again, I you just you were going to lose a huge part right. of the audience i can't help but think of it as a marketer mm. as well um because i do marketing mm. as a day job and i'm just like of course they were gonna lose people they had right. to know that but it's the, it's the problem with everything they keep projecting infinite growth and it's like no you idiot like <laughs> markets rise and fall and you have to deal yeah with and, and but let me ask you this too because i'm a little on the fence about the um the inherent sort of value of a character like you know i think we 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 learned okay. that was wrong at, at some level like in other words there was this thought that like you can't do movies about not uh, about characters that you know the uh, there's that there's i can't remember the name like the terminology or like um that the the audience is familiar with you know what i mean like that that have brand recognition or something like that where you know for the longest time the idea was okay. like a Spider-Man movie will sell and a Martian Manhunter movie cannot sell or whatever. That was just the idea. And, and people forgot that even after it was proven wrong. So uh, it would, after the Avengers, well, just just say this after the Avengers, they're like, well, you can't do, uh, I don't what Ant-Man or whatever, whatever it is. Nobody's heard of him forgetting. Nobody fucking knew anything about Iron Man or Thor. And, uh, you know, and those movies did fine. I mean, like, well, Iron Man was huge. The first Thor movie was okay. It made money. So here's the problem, and this gets back to right. the infinite growth. Iron Man did well for Marvel Studios, the bankrupt right. fucking company, basically, right? Like, I think they were out of bankruptcy, but they were, they're starting right. at zero. Like, they made money. Woo! We didn't right. lose money. Yeah. That was if you look at the numbers of what Iron Man pulled in within any relative years now, because obviously, you know, it's been out for 10 years. There's reasons people right. go back to it. So there's a bit of an artificial inflation. But like the numbers were not Avengers. No, no, that's fair. But I mean, it was all. a critical success and it was financially viable. Right. Well, and you can't you can't cross those right. streams. Um, the art of something and how successful it is as a piece of art and how commercially successful it is. Have fucking nothing I don't know if to that's do the with case. each other. I, I agree with it. They're not a one to one, but I I don't think you can say it's not because some, well, some I, there's resources right. and stuff. But like, don't tell me Avatar's the no, greatest no, that's movie what I'm saying. ever that, made. That suggests there's a one to one. I don't think that, but I do think that certain movies do sell on the basis of word of mouth, and especially 
well, less now, but like, oh. you know, in other words, like there are, there are uh, movies that like kind of, they're just a high critical appraisal and that people start going on that basis. They don't always do that, obviously, but I think it does happen or whatever. I mean, I do think as a rule, good movies tend to do better over time. Well, and the opposite is definitely uh, true because sure. if a movie is dog shit, people will like, it will tank the movie before like, you know, potential audiences will see it. You say that Get Smart got out, but, but uh, Tristan these, right. I don't know. There's a but lot no, of- No, but I, I, I'm, I'm more talking <laughs> about potencies than like necessities. Like in other words, it, it can be the case that a movie- bad press will hurt it financially. It can be the case that a movie's critical acclaim will be the thing to to help it or whatever. Yeah. Oh, sure. I, yeah. Anything's no, no, possible. I, I, mean, you know, I mean, more than that. I sure, mean that it um, happens sometimes. Like, you know, can, like, like, so for instance, like, I think certain movies yeah. are fucking uh, dead in the water based on the, especially now, like, if a movie gets a, like a meme kind of joke about how it's shitty people will like that it i think it will tank that movie like like fucking uh i feel morbius like i'm not saying that was gonna work but like that as a matter of fact it went in the okay. other direction too where not only did it tank it, it then they made jokes about it and then sony thought oh it's actually people love it let's re-release it and it tanked again that was what a special a, case what a crazy motherfucking thing it's harder for me to get to that because where i am with the critical mm. reception of these things is so far from the general public it's almost like i'm the nega public like if i hate a movie it's probably going to be yeah. successful if i think it's great it's probably going to be considered of well not, i realized what what my question was going to be which is okay so it's clearly the case or not the case that let's say only comic book characters that audiences are, you know, f- like household name with. Like it used to be believed they were the only positive lucrative sort of things, IPs. And now we know that can't be the case. But I wonder if the opposite, m- there's some pushback to it because like, like this Echo thing, I'm like, like, I think Echo's a cool character and maybe that'll be great. I don't know. But like part of me is like, aren't some of them not the most viable? I don't, I don't know. There's so many other facts. So A, Echo isn't a movie. It's a streaming no, no, on I, Disney I, I, yeah, that's show, what I mean, right? Though, yeah. So, and people seem to not like that. Seems like it's a different audience, sure. basically. And so, I think they have to measure it differently. And I think that's where they have to come to, is my understanding. But they aren't. But also, there's this whole political angle because that show is definitely uh, politically correct. Sure. Oh yeah. But but don't you think the MCU is doing that? Like it's not the because I agree with you. Like there was like the Snyderverse, and then there was the other DC movie. I don't think it ever got a rejoiner. Oh oh oh, the Arrowverse and the boat. Like the DC had it such, and Warner Brothers had it such. Yeah. Don't associate these things. These things are different, right? Audiences are. I like totally get that. What I think the problem is, or not problem, but like the difference is that with Marvel, they want them to be connected. The brands are, I think, mutually involved, and so if but Marvel didn't want everything connected, and when they tried to split it off, the fans no fa- fair back. fair enough. Either way, that so whatever, however it happened. The point is, I'm saying when Echo, if Echo tanks, you'll see articles about the latest Marvel bomb if if it tanks or whatever. You know? Yeah. 
tanks is again sure. relative commercial right. success and it's numbers based stuff and did echo get as many views as infinity war right right probably not but i mean also as a fan like i want to watch echo but when i watch echo it won't right. count because i'm gonna wait for it to be done then i'll watch it and so i almost don't count to right. all this stuff because i have any degree of patience yeah. i guess I, the whole invincible thing it like comes into factor here for both of your arguments like the revolt against uh invincible season two has been so big and what was what were people's yeah what were people against that for so season two came out they got four episodes in they're like we'll be back eventually with more episodes right ah! right, right. I noticed that too. and people were like what the f- i was fuck? annoyed but I, it was i didn't you know I, I kind of get it. I also kind of don't get how they didn't understand that would be a problem. Like, okay, well then I'll watch Invincible Season 2 later. I mean, I know what's going to happen anyways, right. so what do I care? The the pushback I saw from that was pretty incredible, and people don't want to bother with that. And media expectations have changed a lot, and we're normalizing it now, but it's... It it I guess it's fresh to a lot of people. To me, it's weird because it's been around for ever. So Just like a serious are. delay or something, basically. Well, the idea that people would want to stream stuff consistently and regularly, and that they aren't patient for it, like they would for a uh, season break of a right. TV show. Sorry, here when I said people, I mean executives. Yeah. Weird to me. I also remember talking to some network executives when I was college, and they're like. Well, the streaming thing, I don't know, like, how are people going to deal with it? And, like, they just want to watch TV, don't they? And I'm like, no, if I can watch my shows, I don't have to put up with commercials. What do you mean? Why would I watch TV? What benefits are you giving me? And they're like, well, it's now. Dude, I have box sets of shows I'd rather watch. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? And I saw the horror on this guy's face because like, I'm going to lose my job. And I'm like, good. Fuck <laughs> you. Yeah, I mean, to, for me, I guess to put a button on that, like, I don't know, uh, you know, it was inevitable that the MCU maybe like, and maybe comic book movies generally, and comic book properties are like going to kind of slide down. I don't think it's ever going to go away. But you know, it's like, there was there were Western movies, there were mafia movies that had different lives and, and things like that. Or if it's the case that like, they just fucked it up. But I'm kind of ready for it to go away, I think. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. over a lot of it. And like the thing that impressed me about the Marvel movies, like at first initially is like, they wouldn't all be great. There were some really ones I really loved, but they kind of didn't pump out any dog shit either. There would be these sort of like, even the ones that missed didn't miss that bad. Cause I think Thor, the dark world and okay. like, um, Iron Man, maybe two or whatever the, the ones that like were the lowest critically acclaimed. If they still have like positive Rotten Tomato store uh, scores, and they they didn't have a like Justice League or a like that first Suicide Squad or whatever, but now we're getting to, into actual bombs and and things like that, and I'm like, yeah, why? Well, I, I you know. It didn't need to go on forever. And a lot of these are bad. And I, I don't know if I want to keep watching them. Well, I think that goes to something you were saying before, which you don't think is the case, but I do. Like, I, I know Iron Man wasn't right. known or like a known quantity, but they had to right. build off of it. But neither was Blade, right? And Blade really started the next wave of it. No, but I, I agree with that. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, also Blade had really how many comics up to that point? That doesn't really matter. But those are characters that are, how do I say, easy to grok, I guess. Like, you introduce them, but Blade is a vampire who is a vampire hunter. Ooh, but he's also just kind of badass. Also, at that point, they reinvented the character for the movie. He was pretty far from the comics at the time, so who cares? When you get to the Eternals... Yes. I could have told you that movie was going to bomb. What the second I heard they announced it, I'm like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I don't that. know if that's true. We may have dis- a disagreement here, but I mean, like, I think you are right that there's there's a likelihood to to do it. I, I the way the reason I think of it uh, think is that like there are ones that are successful that I think on paper also would have been hard sells, um, and were quite good. And and I I'm not. I guess, at least analytically, it's hard for me to think about, like, can't you do this with every, any character? Can't you render it in a way? Like, so for instance, like, I mean, especially Eternals, like, that, that to me, it all looks like dog shit, like, as soon as the trailer came out. But, like, beforehand, if you were just like, yeah, there's these sort of, like, uh, kind of, like, superheroes that are made by space gods, and they fight these things that are their opposite, they're these change things, and they're static things i'd be like oh yeah good fucking writer can make a treatment for that i've seen wackier shit like just in film like you know what i mean like i've seen sweatier premises i I see what you're saying but here's why i knew it was that and it's not that if you get a good writer like anything can be a good story if it's written well that's not the issue what what they were gonna like you knew what machine was gonna make it in a sense. Well, yes, but I guess more broadly, like, I know there are Iron Man fans. I know there's passion right. for that character kind of on the oh, inset that you can build yeah, yeah. off of. And you know what stories you have to lampoon yeah. to bring forward to film. And at a certain point, like, like the second, like, before any of the movies, like, if you told me there's going to be an Iron Man movie, not being right. a big Iron Man fan, I could tell you five frames yeah, that were yeah, going but- to be in some of the very, movies very true up. but let's game this out because i not the case with ant-man see i could do not, with that i mean i'm not saying you couldn't come up with something but like ant-man just does not have a robust history as a matter of fact i would argue the eternals no. i can have more and i don't even like the eternals like i'm i'm not a fan but really but uh i think you know that you had a neil gaiman run that was really good you have the the i don't even know that ant-man has a kind of comic book at it could point to was like this is the ant-man comic not really i mean like what what is it well i mean there's the irredeemable ant-man that they played off of mostly which was big and kirkman well the 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 irredeemable stuff was but it was uh, eric o'grady right like it was like a about a piece of shit yeah which is basically what they did okay maybe i misunderstood because like scott lang's thing is like he is a thief uh who was an electrical engineer yeah, or yeah, whatever. So I just thought they translate. I didn't read a redeemable. Okay, well, but like when you get to the Tom Holland Spider Man, right. they're basically playing it Miles is yeah, white. No, to- yeah, totally, totally. But uh, I, but I still think it's kind I still of think in that. Is a strong case that like this is not somebody who has a fan base. This is not somebody that has, you know, a yeah. Totally. The, uh, when you're pulling any of those uh, BC yeah. list characters, they, they doesn't have like the fans. It's not going to be that thing. But like, I can tell you why a Martian Manhunter can work as a movie. Again, it has to be done in 90 minutes. Yeah, the Eternals is sweaty and all that. It's the same. 
it is funny, and it is not just that it's 90 minutes. It's the same reason that the Inhumans was never going to work as a TV show as yeah. well. So my my well, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, because there's no passion there. Like honestly, those comics have never sung. There's never been the. It's not like the great issue, but like even across comic fans, who gives a yeah, shit? Yeah, I disagree a little bit, but I I definitely, but only because okay. I think that there's a kind of kind of subjective space here where. That like I, I mean I'll go on Twitter and there'll be somebody who's like I don't give a fuck about Super Scroll who gives a shit about Super Scroll and like I love Super yeah. Scroll and I can find you a yeah. group of Great Super someone. Scroll people. The thing I'll admit about Eternals is that like I th- or at least for me I think that and in humans as well mm-hmm. I think they should have been weirder and they should have got bizarre and they should have got gone with the avant-garde and they no. can't and i think you're, that's that was they the can't. part that you that most resonated with me about it was that and you didn't even really say this it was more like you made me think of it that like yeah i can think of hypothetical good situations to translate this stuff but it's like is marvel studios gonna do the thing that's gonna make this thing work and it's like yeah with the eternals probably not like i could see david lynch doing it or whomever, right? Some some wacky ass director. Yeah, but I don't yeah, think yeah. Kevin Feige or Feige or whatever is going to do the Eternals, right? You know. Yeah, I don't think he does much right at all. And like I, the Avenger movies that they've done have all sanded the edges down mm-hmm. so far, but that's what makes it successful. As opposed to, and I think this is part of what you're talking about, and part of what I've seen is. Um, the Fox X-Men movies that have a lot more mixed and negative reception. Those are weirder and I like them, but a lot of the shit that people get so caught up on apocalypse looked like Ivan news from the power Rangers. I'm with you. Yeah. If it's basically power Rangers by way of like Saban X-Men, like I'm I'm totally with that. I I don't care. I don't think that movie's that strong, (laughs) but I totally agree. Like uh, one, I don't think they have the budget. They had the budget because like what, you would have wanted out of Apocalypse no. was like, uh, just do the Josh Brolin treatment. Like, in other words, just make him a big dude and put the actor's face in it and make it look good. But they didn't have, I don't think they had the money. And mm. yeah, I think Isaac, actually Oscar Isaacs is, is fine in it. I didn't, I agree. Like a lot of the shit against it. I, yeah. We're probably going to have to go soon. But just while we're on this movies and and takes about them or whatever, am I the only person that you've talked to at least that thinks Endgame fucking sucked? Yeah. Avengers Endgame? Yeah. I've heard some mixed opinion because I've heard right, right. all takes, but I mean, generally, I think people tend to like it. I thought it was, as far as what they were going to do, generally fine, but I was also kind of like, okay, we're we're doing this I, story. I'm not dense enough to be like, it was wall-to-wall shit. I love that fucking Captain America <laughs> moment where the fucking, like, Sam's on is. I love that shit. I, there are fun parts of it, but just to, and I, we don't have to talk about this too long. It's just like, we're just on hot there's a goddamn clip show in this movie called the second act and that fucking made me so fucking mad it's like this is an 11 year 11 year project this is the big finale this is the part two of a you know part one was just so well lauded and so wonderful and they can't help but jack themselves off about how wonderful it was and have this fucking reunion thing in the middle it's like, I, this is, give new content. We can look at the fucking, I'll get the Steelbox Blu-rays later and we'll watch all the fun stuff. I cannot believe they did that in the second act. 
I can't believe that the first first act is this decompressed thing where it's like, you guys are not good at this. Okay, motherfuckers. Like, this is not your, you're not good at, uh, you know, kind of decompressing in, in the wake of the tragedy. You shouldn't do what, what was it like for the victims of Hiroshima? Maybe that's beyond you. And maybe it's not this kind of fucking movie. So just like, fucking, I want to see Nova Corps get killed by, show me that. That's what we came here for. And then the third one, the third act is great. The third act is great. It like seems so obviously bothersome to me. And oh, and also time travel. Totally unnecessary. The, the, oh my God. I, I could go on. So up until you said Novacore, everything yeah. you said, I think I would apply more strongly to Clerks 3 <laughs> than anything. Fair enough. I didn't see Clerks 3. And also Novacore, literally just thought of it oh. off the top of my head. I just mean like. We had this opportunity to have, you know, like to break into the abstracts. There's so much of a, uh, so much like, and, and that's fine. If they want to say, we don't want to go into other stuff. We were ending it. Well, why the fuck is there this clip show in the middle of the goddamn thing? I don't like, it just bothered me so much. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I hear you. I saw it. my problem. My problem with all the Marvel movies is I went into them expecting the same thing and the same. I do the same thing with Star Wars now. Because people get so, and I'm like, I go in expecting like a seven out <laughs> yeah. of ten movie, action, popcorn, da da da, and like I don't expect it to make perfect sense. I expect the continuity to be wonky, and I don't. I, care. I'm so glad I'm not a Star Wars guy. I love. I mean, I love Star Wars. Like a- Americans love it. You know, like everybody. You know, I grew up with those movies and everything. But like, I'm just glad I'm not deeply invested in it because it's just such a fractious like angry chaotic fan base and world it's i can understand it though because um i'm a big star trek fan and when star trek discovery happened i got angry and i had to like put down the ball <laughs> for a while to be a good human being about it there is some stuff that they did there though that i'm like what what yeah. what are you doing like people like, there's some real easy fixes um we we should do this again. I'm gonna have to get going soon. We should do it again though. I have, I have more yeah, questions. Because yeah. now I want to be like, yeah, well, what yeah. did you think about uh, the, the yeah. uh, the movies that they they made with J.J. Uh, Abrams or whatever? But but you know, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm happy to pick it up some other time, and we can make that happen. No worries. Just a little bit of coordination is yeah, always totally. the hardest part. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, especially for to you. I'm just some random internet weirdo yeah. so yeah, you, you are much appreciated no, you're just you're a specific weirdo that you know what i mean like a you know you're not you're not just some what <laughs> you're a, you're that weirdo and that's fine yeah oh, okay I, i'm glad yeah. i've risen the ranks one of the best things about not trying to be in any kind of entertainment business or anything like that is that like i'm just i'm just a guy out here trying to make rent so it's yeah that's good. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, uh, cheers and yeah, definitely yeah, happy let's to do, do it again. again. Man.